Hello again, friends. The great Brian Last here, you there, and we are back with part two of Jim Cornette's The Mind of Chris Jericho Omnibus. Let's get back to the action. A few people have sent it in, and then, remarkably, you tweeted about it as well. Apparently, Chris Jericho once again has some comments, this time not about you and how irrelevant you are, which he feels the need to scream to everybody. But this time, apparently, he's upset with people who have criticized his fall into what he insists were not crash pads on it, AEW No, it Dynamite. was shark-infested waters underneath that cardboard and a crash pad. It was shark-infested waters. And then there was cockroaches below that, and then a layer of alligators, and then barbed wire. All of that was under the... It was a dangerous, death-defying leap. It was better than the flying Walendas. It was better than the guy who walked the tightrope across Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls! Slowly I turned, step by step, inch by inch I crept. That's another routine. It was very dangerous, Brian, is what he did. And when people minimize it and make fun of it, then he naturally loses his shit and starts going after him on Twitter. And apparently... Your friend and mine, Shotzi Blackheart, who we never watch because she comes out in a tank with green hair and we don't know what the gimmick is, but she tweeted something that that made a little mockery of the bump and he responded in quite hostile fashion, suggesting that these WWE chicks, that's a quote, these WWE chicks that are knocking my bump are going to be asking me for a job in six months, and I'm going to be remembering this. So he's going to blackball this girl because she made fun of his little poof bump on the crash pad like everybody else did. And isn't chicks, isn't that sexist? Are we supposed to talk about them like chicks these days? I, well, he's, he's, a rock, he's a rock and roll star. So he, he, he's that's not a man. rock and roll star. Give me well, a Well, in his mind he is. So that's why he uses he, all you little chickies. All the little kids and kidettes out there. Asking us for a job anyways, and I'll remember that. <laughs> Fuck you. If Tony wants her, Tony will sign her. What are you going to do, rip her to Tony? He's been watching her. He sees what she could do. Hey, he's going to put the bad mouth to Shotzi. Your time is kind of running out. Just behave yourself. But he's so touchy, isn't he? About these, Everything. these criticisms. Because yeah. he knows they're all fucking true. But if... Because he, he knows he's because he knows when he knows that they're all true, he'd quit trying to stir it up. Anyway, well, the what other, was your question? Well, the question related to and, and I wasn't too aware of the Shotzi part of it, uh, and I'm looking at it now. Some chick, okay. I guess he got upset about people criticizing the fall. I have a quote here that apparently comes from his Saturday night special live stream. Otherwise known as, it's Saturday and I don't want to watch TV with my family. So I'm on fucking YouTube talking to you. Here's a quote. I'm not even going to address the criticism for it. It was taking the bump off the top of the cage at Blood and Guts. It was terrifying because I've never done anything like that before. It was not a crash pad that I fell on. There were cardboard boxes that were basically set up across the board. What? You, you fall on them. What? And I guess. The cardboard no, kind of no, softens no, the blow. Wait, no, no, hold on. Put the brakes on there. Screech. Air raid siren. Yeah, those aren't brakes. We 
saw the not only the the video but somebody just tweeted out the still frame the cardboard was the there were sheets of cardboard that were made to look like the metal rampway but there was an obvious inflatable crash pad underneath the cardboard sheets it wasn't the old take a bump in the cardboard boxes and that'll cushion you which is old as the hills and cactus jack has done that five thousand times but it wasn't that it was a crash pad with cardboard painted to look like the metal sheets on top of it let's just get that straight well let's go back to chris jericho's quote here uh where did we leave off okay here we go it was not a crash pad that i fell on there were cardboard boxes that were basically set up across the board you fall on them and i guess the cardboard kind of softens the blow the piece of plywood over the top that was not even as thick as this book and i was scared that wasn't plywood it was flapping in the breeze Remember? Yeah, but how much time do you think he spends at Home Depot? I really was. Back to being scared. I really was. Because I didn't know what to expect. You know what I mean? What's this going to be like? Then I hit. It was hard. I mean, I really did. The elbow injury is legit. Just so you guys know, it's not a work. It came from that because I hit the side of the stage and then my head missed the back by just a little bit. If you see it, there's a bunch of spotlights and stuff. People that bagged on it can really fuck their ass because it was dangerous. <laughs> really fuck their ass? Is that a is that a common phrase? Every every ordinary uh, day phrase, something you find around the house, they can fuck their ass. I don't think so, but I'm going to make a wish. Chris, go fuck your about, ass. If it'll keep you off Wednesday nights, go fuck your ass. What about just get fucked? That works, too. It's not as unwieldy as they... It was scary. I was saying prayers before. Uh -huh. I was a little bit worried because you never know. It was a legit 15-foot drop. Nesty plunge. You can't see behind you, and you hope for the best. It was something that I thought about all day. No one had to convince me to do it because I knew it was right for the story. But like I said, people that didn't respect the bump really aren't fans. Well, that again. Oh, that's one of his go-to things now. If you don't like what he did, you're yeah. not a fan. If you don't like it because it was so obvious that I was standing there, obvious when I was pushed that I was taking the bump on purpose, and obvious when I fell that it was a prepared landing area for me to do this pre-choreographed bump that looked phony as shit in every instance. But if you don't like that, you're not a fan. I wasn't a fan of the bump. No, because it looked like shit and was phony. It was, and it, it made very well. I, I, and here's the thing. I wouldn't have taken the bump either. You know why? Because it looked phony. Doing that looked phony regardless of how they did it. If you're going to fucking do something like that, take that hip toss off the goddamn top of the cage like old Mick did. Or at least drop from the height into a regular ring like I did. But don't fucking cry how dangerous it was when you actually did a movie special effect. Then I've got to fucking be a scared and afraid for the health of every stuntman in Hollywood. 
people in the business that were kind of bagging on it should know better because it's not something you would really want anybody to do because it's dangerous and it can affect you for your life if it goes I didn't wrong. want anybody to do it because it looked phony. <laughs> You're focusing on how it looked. He's focusing on the danger he felt before he did it. <laughs> okay, well, here's the thing. If, if you're going to do something that's dangerous, God damn it, the most important thing is it looks good. I would hate to think that that the if you're going to do something that has danger, an element of danger that is going to injure you or damage you in some kind of way, that it also turns out to look phony, then you've just wasted that. There's a return on the on the risk if you do something that looks really fucking wow and good for the business and holy shit and people will remember. And if you do something that's phony and lackluster and it's also dangerous, I think you've just shit to bed. Well, that's the story of an angry young man from somewhere in Canada who now torments the United States from Tampa. Chris Jericho. Let's get he another from, question here, he Tim. He went from being the Winnipeg wonder to the Tampa torment. Our next question sent the corny drive through at gmail.com from Name Redacted. Name Redacted? That's right. He sent a link. I have not read this. Let's see. This link is to an archive post from Chris Jericho. It is him responding to online critics of his match from King of the Ring 2002. I would love you to read this to Mr. James Cornette so that we may hear his thoughts. Now, this is not recent. This is from that that time period. Let me see. Is what there you're a saying. date? He said archived or whatever. June 24th, 2002. It's on the Wayback Machine, which archives classic website material. Well, that's good to know. So, Mr. Peabody, go ahead and read this thing. June 24th, 2002. Let's see if this rings familiar with modern-day Chris Jericho. The headline, Hello, Jagovs. <laughs> All right, I've had it. You want a war? Now you've got one. I'm suffering from a bout of insomnia, so I decided to go on the web and check out the reviews of the King of the Ring from tonight, more specifically on the PW Torch website. After reading what all of you smarks... <clears throat> And believe me, you are all still Marks. Had to say about my match in the show, I am furious. Everybody has the right Wait to- Wait a minute, this is the night of the King of the Ring. The night of the King He's of the Ring. He's in his hotel room looking up re his reviews on the websites for people to put his match over. Instead of, I don't know, eating and sleeping? He wants people to validate his high opinions of himself. But anyway, we continue. Everybody has the right to an opinion. And here's mine. I'm sick of all you holier-than-thou pompous jackasses. <laughs> That's it. That's all. Baby goes to sleep now. What the fuck? <laughs> what the what? Baby goes to sleep now? I had one of my best matches of the year tonight with RVD. Wait a minute. I thought he was going to sleep. There's more? There's more. Baby goes to sleep is not the closer. Isn't that something? Like like wrestling nowadays, you do the finisher, then you kick out and keep going for another five paragraphs. Go another 10 minutes. Uh, the match of the year tonight with Rob Van Dam featured 20 minutes of tremendous action, innovative false finishes. Wait a minute now. The, the, the match of all of the matches in his career that he's going ballistic on to people who knocked it is with Rob Van Dam? That's right. 
he's gone that deep and they can't praise his match with Steve Oster, his match with the rock or his match. He's got to go that deep in the catalog and be upset. Cause they didn't like his match with Rob Van Dam. Was it a good match? I don't remember ever seeing it to be fair. I don't recall the match, but it was fresh on his mind. Again, this is the night of the pay-per-view event. So <laughs> yes, when I guess room service was closed, <laughs> but uh, let me go back to what he said here. The match featured 20 minutes of tremendous action, innovative false finishes, and an absolutely tremendous crowd. It was everything I could have asked for in a match, and was, in my opinion, an off-the-charts performance from RVD and myself, match of the year caliber. I was so excited about the contest, and I can humbly state that we stole the show. The crowd was so into it that they were burned out after we went on, quiet for the next three or four matches. Wow. They ate up every move from start so to finish. So they killed the crowd is what he's saying. <laughs> that is what he's saying here. They ate up every move from start to finish and enjoyed the hell out of it. But now I read the opinions of some of you. Many of you state that the match was very good or excellent. I agree. <laughs> but many others are saying that the match was slow and predictable, with one jackass even saying it was one of the worst matches of my career. How could you honestly say that? What the hell do you people want? What is it that you are looking for? We go out there and bust our asses to entertain you. And if the Columbus fans were quiet, they sure as hell weren't during my match. They were entertained. And your thoughts were that bad? Well, if you didn't like my match tonight, then you were out of luck if you're a Jericho fan. Because it was the best you're going to get, jerky. That was CJ at his finest. Oh, my God. This is how he writes about himself. Oh, my God. He's talking in the third person now about himself. Wrestling at its finest. A great four and a half star performance with a tremendous build, a great crowd, and an awesome match. If you didn't like it, then stop watching me and stop watching the WWE and take a bowling because you will never like anything we give you. Boy, it's that again. If you don't like this, you're not a fan. If you don't like this, stop watching. At least he didn't say, go fuck your ass. I'm the first one to admit when my performance is not up to snuff. <laughs> he's, he's continuing. <laughs> or something was bad, and I'm the most self-critical person on the WWE roster. But tonight's performance was me at my finest. Didn't like it? Then get the F out, and good riddance to you. For all of you that enjoyed my match, I say thanks. For those that didn't... He's not even trying to be a heel because he's sucking up to the people who <laughs> liked it instead of saying, yeah, because I'm great. He's not being a heel. He's being a whiny baby. For those that didn't like it, I don't care because I'm through with you. I'm now finished with the internet and I'm finished with this site because I hate what you marks are doing. You spoiled it for me. Your negativity is ridiculous. You all come off like a bunch of bitter know-it-alls who won't be happy with anything we give you. Nothing is ever good enough, and quite frankly, I'm over it. You are the same people that are saying that Attack of the Clones is boring, analyzing every little detail instead of allowing yourselves to be entertained by its magic. It appears he's put some thought into this. Yeah, by the way, I wouldn't be holding up Attack of the Clones as the comparison to a great piece of art that your matches. That was I, I haven't seen it, to be honest. It seems that some of you wish the wrestling business would dry up and die. Because some of you dislike everything we do. Is it always good? No. 
but we are killing ourselves to try and entertain you. And if you don't respect that, then kiss my ass. I want the business to be around forever, and I'm doing my part to keep it great. And I did that tonight, no matter what any of you think. A lot of the boys pandered to you on their website, asking for your input and your thoughts, and I used to be one of them. Guess what? I'm not anymore. (laughs) Think what you want. I don't care. Do what you want. I don't care. Respond how you want to as well, because I won't be reading. I don't give a damn about what you think anymore. One of the best wrestlers in the world and one of the performers in the best match of the night and match of the year candidate from King of the Ring, Chris Jericho. That's how he signed it. Wow. Let me read that that sign off over time because it was so clunky. I almost fucked it up. Instead of sincerely or best wishes, one of the best wrestlers in the world and one of the performers in the best match of the night and match of the year candidate from King of the Ring, Chris Jericho. Woo. Go. Go to bed. What was it? Go to bed, baby. Baby's going to bed. Looks like baby needs to sleep it off. Baby goes to sleep now. Baby goes to sleep now. (laughs) Okay, what? Do you have any magic website that you can pop up a review of that match from the time to see what somebody, anybody said about it so we have something to go on? Because this is not a... It's not a Hogan and Andre in my memory or Flair and Steamboat. I will look for a moment to see if I can find it. I, Like I said, I don't remember the match or any reviews of it, but let me see what I can find. King of the Ring 2002, eh? Well, obviously, this was a match that literally revolutionized the entire in-ring performance aspect of professional wrestling, something that nobody who ever saw it could possibly ever put out of their mind, something that had such an impact on some people that they weren't able to fully process even the greatness that they were beholding in front of their eyes from the greatest wrestler in the history of the world and the perpetrator of the best match of all time at King of the Ring. Baby's going to sleep. Have you found anything? I found something. Again, I don't know what this review is. It's from 2002 from 411 Mania. Uh, but it's not really criticizing the match. It's literally just listing everything that happened. It was the opening match, according to this. Oh. It's listing everything that happened. So the there match. was no place to go but down after that match. Is what they, the peop, It was the opening match, but people were remarkably quiet for the next several matches. Boy, I'll tell you, the other thing is just how similar he is there to what he is now. And we we just weren't noticing all those years because he he kept getting his ego fed on a regular basis. Inability to accept any criticism, clearly thinks everything he does is much better than anyone else thinks it is. Very high opinion of himself at high points and low points of his career. What a delusional guy. What a delusion. And again, just like the whole Jim Cornette's irrelevant thing, so I have to write it here. I don't care what any of you people think, so let me write everything I think about this. <laughs> oh, my God. What a silly guy. I have to say, what a fucking silly, silly guy. He's ranking his own matches. It was a four and a half star match. Says the guy in the match. Well, now, what, what, is, uh, what does Uncle Dave say? Do we have Uncle Dave's I don't have opinion Dave's, on this contest? I don't have Dave's review on it, but... uh. 
Will somebody get back to us on that? Find me the last time Dave has written anything negative about Chris Jericho. Well, now that was 20 years ago. I was before he was on any of the payrolls. So find me the last time Dave has written anything negative about any of the bad shit Chris Jericho has done now or then. Jim, this first one sent the corny drive through, or not the first one, but the first one since that debacle of a spot sent the corny drive through at gmail.com from Rick in Grimsby, England. Hello, Rick from Grimsby, England. That one looks simple enough. I don't think I mispronounced it. Below are some comments from Chris Jericho. Oh, geez. Basically saying if Vince Neil bothered to get in shape, his performance would improve. Is this the pot calling the kettle? Oh, said Other- Mr. Pot to Mrs. Kettle there. What in the world? Or does Jim believe Jericho is currently working at the optimum level given his skills, knowledge, experience, and age? And I have here an attached article from the website called Metalhead Zone. It sounds official. And they have some quotes here from an interview with Chris Jericho about <laughs> Motley Crue going back on the road. Of course, Motley Crue's lead singer being Vince Neil. Here's the quote. They were sniping at each other on Twitter le- this time last year or something, right? No, that was Sebastian Bach from Skid oh. Row. But so what is just, does Jericho have a problem now with any middle-aged blonde rock singer that he thinks he can take them down? First, Vince Neil and Sebastian Bach, and who's next? Brett Michaels or Axl Rose or whoever's calling me on the phone? Whoever's calling you, I think, would be next. I, I don't know who that is. We'll go on without him. Well, here's the quote from Chris Jericho. I'm disappointed to see Vince the way he is. Because I think if he lost some weight and did some training and came out there and was in some semblance of shape, A, his voice would sound better just from that alone. And B, people would go, holy shit, did you see Vince Neil? He looks great. I think if he really wants to do it, he could do it. But I don't know if he does. And that's the thing. It's up to him. And either way, it's Motley Crue. People are going to go and people are going to love it. <laughs> I don't know that people want old rock and roll stars to look in great physical condition like they're drinking milk and doing sit-ups. I think they want them to look like they've been floating in the river for three days, like Chris looks like now. Um, Yes, I believe if I was him, I would apply that advice to the endeavor that he is currently in that requires him to be not only half-dressed, but very physically active every Wednesday night. And yes, he's 50 years old. Nobody, but Nick Bockwinkle was 50 years old too. So I, you know, everybody ages differently, but for heaven's sake, with what other people are saying about Chris's current performances, totally independent of anything that we talk about, I wouldn't be saying that. That's like me telling people, hey, you ought to cut down on on the cheeseburgers. Do you think Vince Neil gets on the phone and calls Sebastian Bach like, hey, Sebastian, I know we've never yeah. really gotten along and talked, but can you believe this fucking guy? Who the fuck is he? So it was Sebastian Bach that Jericho was was trying to get one over on when he released that video of him singing a cappella that time. Remember? A cappella. Oh, a cappella. Yeah. No, when he, when he was doing the thing where he, it was some 
heavy metal song that he would with no music and just on his camera phone was screaming or screeching. <laughs> I will sing in this fake voice. Yes, in this fake voice. I'll sing this over the top. And then he actually said, how was that? Not bad, huh? Yes, yes, yes exactly that. It was bad. I, I don't... I don't I don't think that any Robert Plant is not currently shaking in his boots from Chris Jericho, Vince Neal, or Sebastian Bach. But I would think that Chris would lighten up on the telling rock stars in his same age group you need to get in shape. <laughs> I love it so much. The Sebastian Bach one is my favorite because he's not known for backing down and he didn't. <laughs> and he went the other way instead of not, he just started challenging. He was like, Hey shrimp, fight me. Whatever he was saying. <laughs> the guy had just been the world champion in AEW. And he has this guy challenging him to fights on Twitter. Sebastian Bach. But there it is. Chris Jericho. The question is what rock star will he critique next? Perhaps he's out of touch with what's happening in music. Well, you know, it's so sad when, Music passes people by that were never actually in it to begin with. That's sad. Popular topic we have not gotten to. I'll read this question here. This was sent to Corny Drive Through at gmail.com from Justin in West Virginia. Maybe he knows Stephen P. New. It's I, a small state. I wanted to hear Jim's opinion on what Chris Jericho said on Instagram about beating MJF and the inner circle in the feud with. Uh, beating MJF, excuse me, beating MJF and the inner circle pinnacle feud. And I have a quote here. And in a way, it's good that we haven't gotten to this until now because we're now several weeks away from this feud. Maybe the way you see it has changed. No, I think I still saw it exactly the same way, but go ahead. From Chris Jericho's Instagram, Jericho versus MJF was the longest storyline of my career and one of the best. The angle started in September of 2020, and it ended last night at one of the greatest pay-per-views of all time, with the good guy making the bad guy tap out. Oh my god. The angle between the inner circle and the pinnacle was full of twists and turns, comedy, tragedy, friendship, oh betrayal, blood, bubbly, and genuine animosity. But overall, I feel it was brilliant. Oh, I'm sure he does. By the, by the way, there probably was some genuine animosity in there, but go ahead. Uh, I feel it was a brilliant, expertly told tale that was one of the best in the business from the last 20 years. Oh, for God. <laughs> I hope all of you enjoyed watching this pro wrestling magnum opus uh -oh. as much as we did telling it. On to the next challenge. Hashtag AEW all out. Where do I fucking start? First of all, are you out of your fucking mind? This is wrong on so many levels. And I've just heard this. I've never heard this comment before. I just heard this for the first time. And I'm trying to process this. In any situation, how would this... He's a baby face now, so he can't say I'm being a heel by being a fucking a, a, a egotistical prick about my handiwork. 
but he's a baby face, so he shouldn't be coming off like that, and that's the way he's coming off. Also, he's actually putting himself in the movie star role and the movie reviewer role. It's like if Siskel and Ebert starred in a major motion picture or a sitcom and then reviewed it and gave themselves <laughs> both glowing reviews. He did that before. Remember we read that post from like 2002 where he gave himself like four stars for a and match? We, yes. <laughs> but I figured that's he's after, he, it's after a show. He's alone in his hotel room. He's bored and he's stroking himself figuratively, possibly literally. Something's never changed. Some things never change, apparently. <laughs> Except he wasn't sitting in a hotel room alone after a show. This is weeks after the fact. But And then what? Doesn't that drag MJF down with him? Because now he's not only told everybody, yeah, I'm a phony piece of shit that loves the smell of my own farts, and I planned this whole thing out because of my genius to entertain all of you plebeians out there, as Bobby Heenan would say. It drags MJF down, too. Oh, um, by the way, the guy that was doing it all with me, he's just as phony as a football bat, just like I am. And we did this all to fool you and get a rise out of you. So he's coming off like a heel when he's a babyface. He's definitely coming off like an obnoxious asshole because Jesus Christ on a cracker. Even if you liked the thing, it wasn't the greatest wrestling angle of the last 20 years. He's burying the guy he was in it with as being a fake and a phony, contradicting what airs and is talked about on their very own television program. Also, that the fans will go, oh, Chris, your angle was so good. And you're so smart. and You're so cool. What the why would you do something like that? If you're insecure, you may want the reaction that you would hope it would get. Well. I don't think it got that reaction. I think that everybody's better off that it's over with, especially MJF. So he didn't get flushed down the toilet anymore. <laughs> Jericho just said, hey, this is the greatest angle of wrestling in the last 20 years that involved me flushing a heel's fucking head down the toilet. Now that I would have bought that, that it was the best angle of the last 20 years in wrestling that involved the overweight overage baby face flushing the heel down a toilet because it was also the only one of those that's insufferable he's delusional i mean that's the problem the problem is jericho has awful ideas he's convinced they're all great nothing will change his mind and tony khan is a massive jericho fan so he gives him more slack than he would almost anyone and therein lies the problem can you imagine Steve Austin saying the same thing after a pay-per-view? Can you imagine even Mick Foley blowing himself to that extent, even though Mick is likes to give out compliments and, and talk, you know, positively and good about everything. Oh, positive. Good. But can you imagine any major star? In wrestling, except for some MJF, that sounds like a thing that he would probably say as a prick heel to make people think that he was more obnoxious and self-centered than he is already. <clears throat> but can you think of any major wrestling star of the last 20 years saying something like that in public about the shit that they were themselves in? Even even if they did want to expose the business. 
I'm sure there has to be someone that I'm not thinking of, but Jericho specifically does it a little more than most because I can think of instances where he's done something and he's acting one way and then he's on his podcast talking to the person he's doing it with. <laughs> it's like, why don't you save that interview for, you know, a year down the road, two years down the road. I know you're desperate for some numbers, but come on. Now, nah, come on, Brian. Don't say something like that. Having those guys on the show is not going to give him any numbers. <laughs> well, I just think he's fucking nuts. I think he's delusional. He does the worst shit, and he thinks it's great. But there's also no one there to stop him. Or is he trying to talk everybody else into it? it did he? Does he know that it 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 did nothing for MJF except delay him in his path to get over, and it was all about Jerobloat? And but now he's trying to say that so that other people out there will go, oh well, shit. Apparently everybody liked it, so I must have been the only one. You think that's it? Do you think Jericho, based on everything you've seen, and you know the guy very well, or you know you did in the past? No, I did in the past. You did before, in the past before he, you know, lost all of his marbles. But go ahead. But also based on what you've seen since then, do you think he really believes? Do you think he knows that this did no good for MJF? <sighs> That's a hard question, because if you have any experience in the wrestling business, you would almost have to know that. And Jericho's got a lot of experience in the wrestling business. However, there is that blind spot that many people have when it comes to their own shit. So, as Jackie Fargo used to say, it might be a pick em. I don't know. Could go either way. All right, and that's the Chris Jericho portion of the show. <laughs> Jim, let's get another question here. And this one is one that has become a popular topic. Several people have sent this in. It is, let me go to one of the questions here, because like I said, several have sent in questions. This was sent to cornydrivethrough at gmail.com from Guy in Louisville. Salutations. Wait a a, 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 just a guy in Louisville, or that's his name? Guy Di Pasquale, perhaps? I, it's just Guy. I don't know my Guy Di Pasquale. Guy, guy Caballero? <laughs> Very good. Guy Caballero, you're really on a roll here. Well, let's see go. if uh, Joe Flaherty here has any questions. Uh, salutations, Jim and Brian. Wanted to get your thoughts on Jericho's comments that MJF's reference to Lex Luger in his promo against Sting got, quote, reverse heat. And uh, he goes on a little bit more there, but there is a Quote here, and I'll read this. Jim, apparently Chris Jericho was on the sports media where Richard Deich, or Deich, I really don't know, a uh, podcast. That's the name, Richard, D-E-I-T-S-C-H, Deich, or Deich, one Deich. or the other. Deich, he he's, must be a German fellow, Deich from Deutschland. He should call himself Richard Deich Clay. That may work, but let's get his question here, or let's get his quote. You heard that. Okay, good. I heard that one, unfortunately. Here is Chris Jericho's quote from that show. People at this point know that this is show business. There is only so deep you can go. I think that, for example, there was a line a few weeks ago that MJF used about Lex Luger being in a wheelchair to sting. I don't think that gets heat. I think it makes people feel uncomfortable. I think it makes people feel bad. And you don't want that. So there's a fine <sighs> line between using real-life issues and going to inside baseball, where it's like, I don't know what this guy is talking about, but it just doesn't feel right. To me, that is the fine line of a pro wrestling promo. If there is something in the universe that people know, 
then you can use it because it's been on the show or whatever. If it's something behind the scenes like, well, your dad was a drunk, and it's like, where did that come from? His dad's a drunk. Well, that sucks. My dad was a drunk too. I don't want to watch this show anymore. Wait, wait, wait a minute. 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 Before you go on, because I know there's more, but let me just interject a few points of order. Number one, <laughs> then why did they have Adam Page be a fucking drunk for the last year? <laughs> Good point. When Good people point. are going to say, well, my dad was a drunk, so I don't want to watch this fucking guy. I don't want to watch this show anymore coming from Chris Jericho. Or is this television program that he is referencing not the all-time leader, the king, the undisputed champion in all pro wrestling television programs throughout history of referring to inside shit that they don't even explain on their own television program? You got to watch YouTube. You got to watch the Hardly Boys comedy show on YouTube. You got to research this stuff. It's easy to Google it. And you know why these people are mad, that type of thing. And now he's just saying, if it's something behind the scenes, then where did that come from? If, if that's what 15 of those things come out in every one of their programs. Actually, they used to. They're a little bit better these days since some of these EVPs and creative geniuses have had supposedly had their power pulled back. But anyway, that's the... And and also, I'll say this one thing, and then you can continue with more of Chris's babbling. A line that he's talking about that MJF used about Lex Luger being in a wheelchair to sting. I don't think that gets heat. I think it makes people feel uncomfortable. I guarantee you, besides the fact that in th this audience knows what shape Lex Luger is in now because they're the smartest audience in wrestling and they know he's been a appeared at fan fest and events in the, in the wheelchair and et cetera. And they know he's had health issues. That's why they reacted and to the line. That's why they reacted to the line. It wasn't inside baseball, but besides that, if you sit a hundred television executives down in a room and just say, listen to these two lines and tell me which one you want on your network. Is it one wrestler saying to another wrestler that he's going to put him where a friend of his is in a wheelchair? Or is it one male wrestler in the ring telling a female mixed martial arts fighter on the ramp? Yeah. You want to take all five of us on, then maybe you can put it on your only fans account. Which of those hundred TV executives would rather have a man making a subject, just suggestive gangbang comment to a woman rather than wrestlers talking about injuring each other. Well, Chris Jericho went on. That's how I feel. Please do go on. I don't think it gets more heat. I think it actually gets reverse heat, which has people going, Oh, we know it's a show. It's like watching the new Star Wars movie and someone going, Kylo Ren, your mom in real life had an abortion when she was 16. What does that have to do with Kylo Ren? It's two different things. This is the worst what? example I've ever heard. Of I <laughs> we've, we've got him so frazzled he can't form a cogent simile. What does that have to do with the price of eggs in China? It's two different things. Oh, my God. He doesn't want anybody to get any heat. He doesn't want any, he doesn't want MJF to get over. 
He doesn't want anybody else to have clever lines on their promos. He just wants MJF to be his Ginger Rogers and dance the night away. You can make things seem real with your intentions and the way you say things and the words you use. That makes it real. You give me a Chinese menu. I could do a promo that will make it feel real. So you've got to be careful. Wait, 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 what? It it is real. (laughs) It's a Chinese menu in a Chinese restaurant. If, there's almost no way you can make that fake unless you're reading things that are not actually on the menu. Yes, I'll have the Welsh rarebit, please, <laughs> followed by a heaping spoonful of shut the fuck up. I'll have now, the fish frenzy. That off the, and an order of fish heads. <laughs> well, they might have the fish heads on the China. I'm not sure. Depending on what region in China. But... Yeah, the, the the Chinese menu is going to be... I, you know, one time I saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand walking through the streets of Soho in the rain. He was looking for a place called Li Ho Foots. Going to get a big de- dish of beef chow mein. Fooks. Fooks. Fucks. Whatever. I've been there. It's Fooks. I thought it was Foots. No, Fooks. Oh, you've been there? I've been there. It's in London. Did Did you see a... Werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand? No, but I did see the Queen with Lon Chaney and Lon Chaney Jr. doing some weird dance down the street. Ah, they were doing the Werewolf of London. That's right. Ah, who? <laughs> so what else did Jericho say? That was Yukon John Nord's theme song, by the way. But here's the uh, final quotes here from Jericho. So you've got to be careful. And people sometimes go, oh, I'm going to say this, and it's going to get major heat. And people just kind of sit there going, I don't know what he's talking about. So there's a fine line. So there's Chris Jericho, another sage of pro wrestling, another guy who desperately wants everyone to think he's smarter than he is, giving stupid comments and bad advice to young wrestlers. I I am... Speechless on uh, Chris. I get maybe he's he is getting to be an old conservative old man. In ten years, he'll be running the kids off his lawn. Nobody do anything to get heat or do any of these things, but I can do whatever I want. That's kind of what his thing is. <laughs> By the way, as we move on with the show, as if we couldn't be more snake bitten. Yes, I'm trying to understand what you're saying. There's a tractor outside banging into the ground and ripping dirt up, and there's also the maid and her crew here in the house vacuuming, so there's all sorts of noise going on. Well, it doesn't matter. I can't hear it anyway. You're on the microphone. I can't hear half of what you're saying. Go ahead. Speaking of manscaping or shaving, a lot of wrestling fans have been hoping that someone would shave down Chris Jericho's vocal cords and maybe prevent (laughs) him from being on commentary, and funny enough, God may have beaten us to the punch. Well, apparently this was this came out of London, across the pond. Well, the UK. It's he's not wasn't in London, somewhere in the United Kingdom. Fozzie is on tour. Chris Jericho got sick, went to the doctor, and they ordered him not to sing. And this stuff writes itself. I I know certain people have been critical of Chris's musical interludes, but I didn't think that we would actually get to a point where officials of a foreign government would demand that Chris Jericho quit singing. Did you? I mean, I had prayed for something like this to happen. I was hoping it would be someone bigger. I was hoping it would be the Pope, (laughs) but I'll take what I can get. And no, and I, I honestly, 
I see what was going on here because when I went to England the first time in what 2014, they took me out in that rain and miserable weather. It was in February. This is December. And uh, and I got sick and I had to go to the doctor. And I remember recalling telling the people at the time that their medicine over there actually works and you can get in to see a doctor just any old time you want to. And it doesn't cost you an arm and a leg. Um, But he probably got something like that and had irritation in his throat, vocal cords. And they're going to tell you don't sing or yell or whatever for a specific period of time. But since he was over there as the lead singer of Fozzie, they did the next day at the show, they were going to have guest vocalists come up at the fans and do like karaoke or something. And he was going to, I don't know, stand there and hold the words up on a poster board. I don't know, but medically that's probably what it is, but still it was, it was good to see that somebody agrees with us and, Somebody with some authority ordered Jericho to quit singing. When you first heard that he was hospitalized, and he quickly said non-COVID, because everyone would hear Chris Jericho hospitalized and immediately think, oh, COVID, clearly, he's been begging for it. When you heard that, was your first thought syphilis? Oh, come on. Come on. It's taken many a man down. I didn't, that, my first thought, my first thought would always be the gonorrhea, not the syphilis. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Or 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 maybe just, you know, a little fucking crotch rot. You never know. What do you do for that? Use cornstarch or do you use baby powder? What do you use for <laughs> crotch rot? I don't suffer from crotch rot, I'll have you know. <laughs> I thought you were talking from I've, experience. <laughs> I know I got I got the manscaped folks on my side. I don't <laughs> I don't suffer from crotch rot. That's from people that don't fucking take care of their, their swampy areas. Well, let's go back to what I said earlier. Speaking of rot, let's talk about audio rot. Will this do what everyone has been begging for? Will this keep Chris Jericho off commentary for a considerable period of time, if not forever? I don't think so. Because as my, if they released him after only one day, I would assume that his if he's got bronchitis or he may be a viral infection or a strep throat or whatever, I don't think it's going to affect in a long-term basis his commentary skills or lack thereof. That's quite sad. But we can only <laughs> hope. We, we, we can still keep our fingers crossed, but... Um, I don't know. I don't think we've got a a brief respite, but I don't expect any long term uh, vacation over this. Next one was sent to Corny Drive through at gmail.com from Charlie in Starkville, Mississippi. I knew it. You know, he's even got a line of T-shirts out now. I'm I'm a Charlie in Starkville guy. He sent me a few of these. I now have T-shirts from two different listeners. I have the original John Fell from Baltimore t-shirt or John fell in Baltimore and now the Charlie from Starkville shirt. I'm telling you, we, we make celebrities out of our audience. That's why it's so big. Everybody wants to be a star. Here's Charlie's question. Speaking of making people stars, Chris Jericho recently took credit for making new stars in AEW. Jericho said, here's a quote. You look at my first few programs. Match three in AEW was Darby Allen. Jungle Boy was right around that time. Then John Moxley, who had to be rehabbed when he first nope. came from WWE. Is that a proper choice of words? Wow, you know, it, it didn't even hit me, but that is probably what he said here. 
that John Moxley, who had to be rehabbed when he first came from WWE, because and then Mox, he had to be rehabbed again after he'd spent some time in AEW. Because Mox wasn't Mox when he first showed up. He was still Dean Ambrose, the goofy guy who wasn't funny doing all the stupid shit they made him do. Wait a minute. Do you remember Moxley trying to do anything funny? From the moment Moxley... He's a goofy guy, I'll agree with that. But do you remember him trying to be funny? As Dean Ambrose in WWE, sure. No, I mean in AEW. No, he's been a completely different guy and accepted by their fans from the beginning. I don't think he needed to be rehabbed at all. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, that's what I'm saying. This is, he said, oh, remember I worked with this guy that's over now, and I worked with that guy that's over now, and I worked with I really had to help him out. They loved his ass, Moxley, when he first got there. It, 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 if anybody has, we'll go ahead and finish the statement, but if anybody has survived working with Jericho, it's certainly not been to the accrued to their benefit. That was really the end of the statement. Just Charlie wanted to know what are your thoughts on Jericho taking credit for making new stars in AEW? Oh, God. Again, uh, Darby Allen, they liked from the start because he was an indie darling. But if anybody made him a star, it was being teamed with Sting, and it was the incredible match that he had with MJF. As has, Those two things have been responsible for him being probably more popular now. One of the few there in that company that's more over now than they were when they started. He, as far as Moxley, we, we just said, I don't know where, where he's getting that because Moxley came out to, for bad or good. He came out doing the, I'm a badass that eats flesh and drinks blood thing from the, in the shoulder roll and all that stuff from the start. Um, and who else did? Oh, jungle boy. Boy, he really made a star out of Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy's still in a tag team with a schlub goof as his partner and has bad trampoline matches with the Hardly Boys clique and has not broken out in any way on his own despite several matches with guys who were trying to do that for him because his booking has been inconsistent, mostly confined to the tag team. And we've come to find out now that he has little, if any, fucking personality. He sits around like he's fucking waiting for his goddamn clothes to dry at a laundromat, and he shies away from doing promos. So I don't know if I would have bragged about those three names. Maybe maybe he did something for for Pockets. He brought attention to Pockets. Not in a good way, but he brought attention to him. And everyone universally accepts the MJF feud as being what it was, which was a complete waste of time and a waste of a year of this young guy's career. No, well, oh, I, okay, I thought you were going to say a, a waste of time. No, it wasn't a waste of time for Jericho. He got all the possible rub and oomph he could off MJF being hot and everybody being interested in him and made him his subservient little lackey and then the guy that he whooped up on. All right, well, that's uh, Chris Jericho's comments on making new stars in <laughs> AEW and, you know, another place where... You can't make new stars just in the ring also. They have to be booked that way. If you go in and have the greatest match since the Christians ate the Lions in ancient Rome and the guy that you have it with the next week ain't on television, nowhere to be found, and then he's getting beat by the mascot two weeks later on YouTube, you didn't make a star anyway. But go ahead, Brian, with where you were... 
Let's get our first question. Let's see what we have to talk about here today. Jim, this was sent to corny drive through at gmail.com from Chaz in a town in South Africa. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this. <laughs> no way to spell it. G-Q-E-B. Now it gets easy. E-R-H-A. Oh, it gets easy after that. All right. Well, from, from Gahuba. Here's his question. I'm an avid listener of the show for the last two years, and I'd like to say thank you for all the insight and laughs during the dumpster fire that was 2020 and 2021, especially for us here in Gabertha, South Africa. <laughs> I'd love to hear you and you don't pronounce it correctly. Pronounce the man's hometown correctly. I'd love to hear you and Jim attempt saying my city's name. <laughs> my question Relates to recent comments made by Chris Jericho in an interview, and I'd like to hear your thoughts. Here's Chris Jericho comparing himself to The Undertaker. Oh, boy. Not that there's any comparison, but I think I'm taking on, like, The Undertaker role in the WWE for his last few years there, where every time he does something, it's impactful. It means something. He's a benefit to have in the locker room. He's a leader. He's very experienced. He can tell guys and girls what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. And it's just a good person to have around your roster. So, Jim, what are your thoughts on Chris oh, Jericho? Jesus Christ. So, very, he says, not that there's any comparison, but I'll compare myself anyway. And then he says all good, true things about The Undertaker. But by inference, would that be the proper term? Inference? Hold on. Let me just. I think so. Let me look that up. Let me look that up. Hold on one second. Indisposed, indulge, inextinguishable, initiate. Wait a minute. F-G-H-I. I've, I've gone too far. Hold on. Infiltrate, infidelity, infidel, infest. All those people that are always saying, I could listen to Jim Cornette read a dictionary. <laughs> well, here you go. Here you go, ladies and gentlemen. Infer, to conclude from evidence... To lead to, as a result or conclusion, inference, the act or process of inferring. And basically, inference is the activity performed by a reader or interpreter in deriving conclusions that are not explicit in what is said. One way or another, he's comparing himself to The Undertaker. He then says a bunch of nice things about The Undertaker that ipso fatso can be... <laughs> Can be applied to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna remember that one. It can be applied <laughs> to himself as well. I think he's not, at the very least, showing a wide variety of humbleness and lovableness. He's not a humble and lovable shoeshine boy. He just said that, yeah, he's a, no, I got news for you. I have seen about 25 things pretty easily, 25 things that happened on AEW television that if the undertaker had been in the locker room, he would have shut that shit down. And Jericho just stood by and let the parade go past. Ipso fatso, I don't compare. 
Chris Jericho to The Undertaker. Well, first of all, you raise an important question. We've seen GFY and The Influencer. Do you think Jericho is going to go after Ipso Fatso next? <laughs> May have to get Stephen P. New. But again, how, how egregiously fucking egotistical can you be to uh, he did the obligatory no no there's no comparison then made all the comparisons that he thinks he's in that position that the undertaker genuinely truthfully was in as this uh, authority figure that will fucking keep everybody straight and obviously he ain't doing that job because nobody's keeping any of that shit straight so but it's nice that he considers himself in that same same genre. Yeah, that he thinks the things that he's doing are impactful. Yes. <laughs> the problem is he wants to give people advice. As much as anyone actually wants to get his advice, he wants to give the advice. And, you know, and and again, a couple of years ago, we said at least there's one guy there that's that's had experience at a major league level that's done big-time television that has worked for a major company for so long, he can help these guys. He can break them of these bad habits. He can fucking try to teach them what the wrestling business is and not what they think it is with the fucking stunt show and the bullshit. And within six months, he's out on the football field with the kids. It's like a, the uncle Dave principle. He, he doesn't have any principles and, and, whether they take his advice or not, he could give it in a legitimate way and try to teach him like JR did until they made fun of him and he just quit. Um, but instead, he's, hello, fellow kids. I'm one of the cool kids. Look at me. I'm young because <laughs> I'm out here fucking around on a football field. So he it's not that he made them more professional. They made him less professional, and he went along with it just to be considered one of the fucking trendsetters, the influencer, GFY. He was trying to hang on to them, not the other way around. Oh, clinging for dear life, clenched like grim death. Our next question is one that several people have sent in on Twitter and via email, the corny drive through at gmail.com. Did you see a recent tweet from Chris Jericho after the Ring of Honor pay-per-view about Tony Khan. I did not. Here's a Chris Jericho tweet. 11.49 p.m. April 1st, 2022. Prediction. Tony Khan is going to take over both the sports entertainment and pro wrestling business in North America within the next five years. So let it be written. So let it be done. What are your thoughts on so Jericho's prediction? So let it prediction? be written, so let it be done. Did he get that from Marvel Comics? Is that something <laughs> that Odin would have said? I don't know. Right when he gave Thor and everybody their marching orders? Um, I, 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 what, is he worried about his contract and he's trying to start sucking up now? He's going to take over the – so he's going to beat Vince. He's going to – well, Vince, who knows, in five years he'll be around. But he'll have taken over – either taken over the WWE or bypassed them at this point. Is this what he's saying? I guess so. I mean, he has Ring of Honor, Impact's a non-entity. Anything else really doesn't matter in the States. New Japan is WWE. I guess he's saying that Tony and whatever his operation will be will either be bigger than WWE or they're going to take over WWE. I'm not exactly sure. 
Okay, Chris, temper your enthusiasm for the taste of that asshole just a bit. I'm not calling Tony an asshole. I'm saying you've got, obviously, a fucking taste for his asshole because you're kissing it. That even if you're a supporter or a, you're pulling for AEW or that's a, as Mama Cornette used to say, that's a long road to hoe. So I think you ought to gear that back just a little to something that's possible, foreseeable, doable. Like, you know, you could say he'll be competitive. Or he's going to make his mark or whatever. No, he's going to he's going to take over the whole thing. He'll have a Tony Khan. If Tony Khan was to take over the entire wrestling industry, what what kind of stroke or attack would he have first? If he's this fired up, wired up, hopped up and ready to go right now over what he's doing. I don't know. I don't know who his enemy will be at the time. You don't even have to have an enemy. You can melt down just from everybody loving you if you're doing too much. I mean, we've seen we've seen poor Tony's demeanor lately. He's a little harried as it is, so he's going to take over the. I'm sorry, it's just that no matter who you are or what your your hope or aspiration is for Tony Khan's. Uh, wrestling projects, that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous statement made only to kiss the ass of your boss. Would you not agree? Oh, I completely agree. Because even if you think Tony could do something here and really take over or really take the lead from WWE, putting it out there like that, putting it out there when you do it, I think a lot of wrestlers <laughs> put stuff out there to, in their minds, please Tony. Whether it does or doesn't, or whether Tony sees through it or not is another story, but there are other wrestlers who do similar things. Well, I'm just I have the greatest you. boss. I love my boss. He's the best boss. Yeah, okay. Give it a break. <laughs> That's what I think. I'm going to try to find here some audio of Chris Jericho. Oh, seriously? Here's Chris Jericho. Let me go to this. What, did, what could he have had to say for himself after that abomination that he took part in? Let's go to this. I believe this is about the anarchy in the arena extravaganza uh, we had to record the whole thing in an empty stadium obviously then last year was kind of a combination of the stadium stampede and then a live uh the finish was in the live arena so when we were talking about what are we going to do this time we thought about a couple different things a couple different names and then we just said let's make it kind of a stadium stampede but in the live arena i was standing in the back we were standing in the back in the arena and literally i said like well, arena anarchy yeah, yeah, i was yeah. like oh shit anarchy, well then yeah, you ended yeah. up going to anarchy in the arena yeah. it was better but it was just like we were looking uh, it was a great choice yeah we wanted to do something with that spirit but transpose it into the live arena now a street fight is a street fight but we said what let's just go completely over the top and also keeping in mind that we have 10 people and only so many cameras and we got to keep it where the fans can kind of still see what's going on so lost that I fight was <laughs> we came here on thursday and just started talking about it and that's when i started thinking like okay this is gonna be really cool and then being out there and feeling i think people really enjoyed it and i think the where he placed where tony placed it in the show was very smart because it was the right place to kind of put the money mark over the last you know third of, of the whole show let me stop it there for a second. You say Tony Khan can't admit if anything's wrong. He does a better job of that than Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho thinks every idea he has is a great idea, and Tony well, Khan and nods along. Well, not only that, not only that, but here's the... And by the way, Chris, 
I washed my hands of you a while back for being a Trump-sucking religious nut, but now you can't even have any integrity about the wrestling business. You're just like the rest of these jack-offs. You're going to go, oh, we had this idea, and we all talked about it together, and we sat down, and we came up with all these cool things to do in this fake shit that we do for all of you, and what a performance, and it's all my idea, but it was all fake, too. And it just, fuck. They've all lost their fucking minds. And if they ever do accidentally have a match that people kind of halfway believe and it looks somewhat professionally done, they'll still go out there and talk about how they came up with all these entertaining things to fake do for the people's entertainment. Can you imagine Vince McMahon and or Steve Austin and or The Rock and or The Undertaker sitting down there telling the fans how fake the show that they just put on was? Or would you think that they are not so egotistical that they have to let everybody know that it was their idea, even when it sucked, and they just let the fucking thing draw money on its own? But that's professionals instead of egotists and amateurs. I'm disgusted by everybody involved. Sure. Because of the way this match was went and everything like this, do you think this can be like one of your company signature matches, like where you do it once a year, every eighteen months, or you know something you go back to as like kind of one of your regular? I think it's a more sustainable solution than Stadium Stampede. I think we like Chris is the master of reinvention, and I think like once again like putting heads together and with like Chris's great mind, we like reinvented Unk. and did something. And now we have anarchy in the arena and you know, we, we, were, we were very proud of stadium stand people. We said like, we were originally thinking maybe we should call it that, but it's a new version of it. But then we said that that was a product of its time. Maybe we'll revisit it, but now we can do an anarchy in the arena whenever the time is right, no matter what time of the, of the year it is. Oh, good God. Thank you. Um, my favorite part of the match is the song playing through most of the match. That was his favorite part. Who is this fucking weasel speaking? I'm not exactly sure, but by the way, what journalist begins their question, but my favorite part was this. Yes, my my favorite part of the coup of the government in El Salvador was when they came out and played the record. And then whose idea was to kill it? So I think when we were talking about it originally, we were kind of like... Harkening back to New Jack when his music would play throughout his matches, which kind of took away the fact that there was just basically plunder and just garbage. Which took away the fact that it was a garbage match with nothing going on. Added some excitement to it. So we thought, okay, so if we can play the music for the first like third of the match, that will kind of sustain it to where people see like it's just kind of basic. Well, not the thing was basic, but just kind of like until we get to some of these bigger moments, I think because no one's ever done that here in AW or anywhere mm. since then, it's kind of uh, it kind of makes it seem different. It makes it different. And then I thought, well, this is great, and I'll be the you know the, the party pooper who hates this song, and well, let's break the soundboard. So let's put a, a soundboard thing up there, and we'll break it. And that was my favorite part too. Like as soon as we hit the ground, it goes off. And like I was telling Tony, I was like, I love wrestling. <laughs> I, st- I still love oh my for God. moments like this. Yes, it's comic, but it's it's like the asshole heel just hates music. And it's like, I'm going to smash this. No, we were all screaming, stop that, that fucking music. You did us a favor, you fucking... So I, kind of- die, die, I hope you die. I hope you die, you motherfuckers. <laughs> you don't love wrestling, you hate wrestling, you shit in wrestling's face.
What else did he have to say? Uh, let me uh, go forward a little bit more, but there are his general thoughts on anarchy. I also like the idea that we're supposed to think Jericho's an old curmudgeon who hates music. That's how we were supposed to take that? I don't know what the fuck they're thinking about. And again, if they did get anybody, any simpleton that would believe their logic bereft, nonsensical fucking wrestling matches, then they'll come out and spoil it for that one knucklehead by telling him it was all fake too. What in the world have we come to here where you go out and legitimately try to hurt yourself and other people and then tell everybody afterwards it was all a fucking bunch of bullshit? I got another question later on from Brian Alvarez asking about Jericho's amazing ability to get things over and reinvent himself and his many ideas. <gasps> Brian Alvarez. Yes. Hey, buddy. I'm, a, I'm intrigued at your ability to get things over. <laughs> your career. And... Uh, <laughs> I've noticed that, like, Brian Danielson will come up with an idea of something that he wants to get over. Like, he saw the yes thing from, uh... Right. Yes. And, but it seems to me that you will do something, and then you will see that there's an ability to get that over. Like, when the belt got stolen, and you did the promo in the hot tub, and you mentioned the bubbly. I don't think that you, at the time, and you can correct me. No, there was no bubbly, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Th well, I don't think you had the idea that I'm going to get over this phrase, the bubble. Right. But you saw that it got over, and then you went with it. Mm. So, how would you? I just kind of want to know the way that your mind works. Would you say that the majority of the things that you get over, the list, the bubbly, <laughs> I mean, you can go throughout your career. Were these things that you? I, I'm going to get this list over. I'm going to get this bubbly over. Like, is it kind of like a Danielson thing where you have it's, this idea of something you want to get over? Or are most of your ideas, something happens and you just think, man, I can it. go with this. I think one thing that I'm pretty good at is just reading the room. <laughs> oh. Oh, hold on, hold on, I'm stopping it there. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. One of Jericho's top talents, reading the room. My God, I just can't... Do all of the journalists, all six of them that come into this room, do they bring their own baby oil for these hand jobs or are they given a, a bottle of baby oil when they come in? I will say from watching this last night, it does appear that a lot of people are there as fans who have a place where they write about wrestling as opposed to people who consider this something to be treated seriously. When you begin by saying what your favorite matches were, or I like this or that, I'm not exactly sure if that's how it's supposed to go. But it's, it's, it's not a hostile room. No, not at all, and especially not for Chris Jericho, but let's go back to his brilliant answer. Because um, I've had a lot of things like where, like, I, I thought, like, oh, oh, GFY, that's a good one. And then the same <laughs> night, Mox came out and literally said, go fuck yourself. And I was like, well, that one's done. <laughs> um, but no one was really getting into it. You're kind of swimming upstream. But, for example, like like the wizard, for example, all it was was throwing the fireball. I'm a wizard. And I start seeing people like, okay, they're making gifts of Chris Jericho with a Gandalf, Chris Jericho's face on Gandalf. Or oh like boy. all these cartoons or Dragon Ball Z. And it's like, oh, this, this is interesting. They, put, they, they, they put like this wizard. Jericho's so face on Gandalf's times, body, would anybody have noticed? <laughs> You're interrupting right, a genius. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking genius. Yeah. And then little kids now, they're posting videos. So what are you? I'm a wizard. 
Oh, now we have something. So that's why we did the fireball last week. Just Harry Potter has nothing to do with that. You don't have to do it much, but just doing it a second time, now it's Chris Jericho's. Now I'm a wizard. My dad said, how did you do that fireball? I said, I'm a wizard. I'm a wizard, dad. He's like, well, dude, do you want one? It's in my hands. So <clears throat> that's kind of what you just read the room and kind of see. Like People don't bring signs anymore. You notice that? Yeah. I noticed that a couple of weeks ago. Nobody brings, back in the day, signs everywhere. That's how you could tell. Jimmy Hart would always say, you can't make people write You know signs. why? You know it's hard? Why? You can't hold your sign in your phone. Good call. Same time. That's a good point. Good point. Everyone's always got their phone in so their hand. So you used to be able to read the signs. That is a good point. And now what you do is read social media. And you see kind of what's moving and what's shaking. And then, you know, we maybe put out a T-shirt, see how it does. Oh, it's the number one seller of the week. Okay, now we have something. So I think it's basically just reading, reading the climate of the room and kind of hearing what people do and just... That I'm pretty good at that. And instinct, instinct is good as well. A lot of, I mean, 32 years of doing this, I have a real kind of good feel as to what people are into or what they might be into. And most of the time I'm right. Not all the time, but most of the time I'm right. Even Jericho Appreciation Society, when I told Tony that one, he bit on it right away. He, he, and I was like, dude, he's like, oh, this is he great. bit on it. <laughs> I first said that huge outrage. Jericho Appreciation, that's terrible. It's terrible. I was like, okay, stop. I'm in charge. You should have called the Inner Circle 2.0. Right? No, 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 no. I love That's it. terrible. And then here we are now. Jerry and the Preacher sports said, entertainment. And the sports entertainment. I lean into sports entertainment as soon as you said it. Oh, what a genius. Right. What a genius. And it leaned so perfect into Brian Danielson, Mox. Well, that was another thing, too. To quick, I'm sorry I'm telling. I know you guys have been here a long time. No, it's great. But, they love so it. we were in Bridgeport, and Eddie Kingston and I had a face-to-face -face promo. And he was great because he came in there and said, you know, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't want to talk. This is pro wrestling. You want sports entertainment? Go down the road. Huge reaction. Oh, that's interesting. They don't like sports entertaining. They don't like sports entertainer. Who knew? Hmm. Who could have Call figured this guy? out? Yes, you weird question. Is sports entertainer trademarked? Nope. Is now. So that's kind of why I was like, it's perfect. And then the, like, like he just said with the Blackpool Combat Club, and then suddenly they're connected because of Eddie and Mox, and none of you guys saw it coming, which made me laugh so hard. All the smart minds in the room, nobody saw this. It's five on three. It's five on three. Okay, it's getting old. These guys got to do something. Blackpool Combat Club. Oh, it's getting old. They're going to do something. You never saw the connection that it was coming to a head? We came up with oh, that three boy. months prior. But it's like I said, it all connects. <laughs> yes, connects. we plan everything uh, out ahead of time, ladies and gentlemen, because we're all a bunch of fucking phonies. Can you cut this motherfucker off? He has become right. Kenny Omega. If you hear the way he talks yes, about himself. Yes, he's, he's even doing stuff. the breathy phone sex voice. Yeah. He's an art artist. And, well, I guess, you know, that'll be the next thing. He'll try to fucking be Twinkle Toes 2.0 and sap some of his fans if he's got any left. Uh, my God, my God, my God. What stunning revelation is it that wrestling fans hate sports entertainment? Wrestling fans have hated sports entertainment ever since Vince came up with the idea. And we continue to talk about that. And that's why that uh, so many people were insulted by and, and incensed by AEW because we were promised our sports-based wrestling and we got outlaw bullshit. Just a different kind of outlaw bullshit than we get over in the WWE. But it's still outlaw bullshit. There ain't no sports in any of this entertainment. And they lied. At least Vince said flat out, no, we're not going to give you good fucking violent, bloody fucking pro wrestling that you can believe. We're going to give you a bunch of horse shit so you'll buy ice cream bars. But Tony lied to us. 
No, we're not going to do that. Sports-based presentation with middle schoolers and legless people and Rick Knox, the fucking floating corpse referee. And phony shit that we think about three months ahead of time. And then we'll tell you about it. Why do they, nobody watches this shit anymore and everybody wonders why. Let's get all the political stuff out of the way because apparently it ties into this next story. Jim, have well, you seen- What else has happened now politically? Well, a lot of people have been sending this in. And again, I want to reiterate, we really don't know the whole story. But have you been following what apparently happened, an incident between MVP and Chris Jericho outside the ring? Oh, well, I haven't been following it because I keep hearing the same story. Basically, they crossed paths at a hotel somewhere recently when I get both were in the same town for some reason, even though they're in separate companies. And there was a verbal altercation near the elevator. And the only other hint that I have heard was that potentially it was about social issues that were expressed by either person on on Twitter. And I would think that specifically it was probably, since we know where poor Jericho's head is at, it was probably something goofy that he said that MVP took exception to because I would have to imagine that they're about as far apart on the political spectrum as as me and Jericho. What do you know about this? Well, I'll go into that, and you're right. We know where Jericho's head is at. We also know where his wife was at. So, I mean, we know where Jericho's coming from on this stuff. I wonder if they called her to testify before the commission. Or will she just be a bit player with no speaking part in the background of some of the insurrection video? But go ahead. So apparently some internet wrestling sleuths have tried to put together this story. The story came out that there was an incident in a hotel in Houston after an AEW show. I don't know. Does he live in that area? Because obviously he works for uh, WWE and they're AEW. MVP, I think, is MVP not from... Well, he was at one time from Florida, but I believe now he does or has at some point in the past lived in Texas. So, or perhaps he's he's multicultural and bi-coastal. The man's... He, he dresses well. I'm sure he's got some money. He's probably got a couple of homes. Nevertheless, they were there. They were there, and the word was that he was going to visit some of his friends from the WWE, like Matt Hardy, people that he worked with and knew. Well, there you go. Apparently, there was an interaction with him and Jericho, which led to a screaming match. Some have said it was almost a physical altercation. Jericho went into the elevator and either yelled or just said, I don't fight jobbers, which set off MVP. So we'll get back to that part of the story, because MVP apparently doesn't say that's the whole story. Well, but by, by just jobber. Now, in all seriousness, he he was the manager for the... WWF champ, one of the champions. He's a former Intercontinental champion, had a fairly decent career there himself. I wouldn't exactly put him in the Randy Mulkey category. So, yeah, and it's easy to call something. And and Jericho was the one getting in the elevator when when the doors were closing, right? Hey, you jobber! It's easy to call someone a jobber when you know they're going to kick your ass. MVP would kick the shit out of Jericho. I was about to say, also, was MVP (laughs) not... uh, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs and nuts and bolts of his entire life's biography, but was he he not uh, trained in something at some point that one would think that... I know Jericho got famous for either taking down Goldberg or Goldberg not being able to take him down, but that was 20 years ago, wasn't it? It was a long time ago. So again, this incident happened. Word got out. People then start trying to develop the story, figure out what's going on there. 
Fightful Select reportedly reached out, or not reportedly, they did. They reached out to MVP and Jericho. MVP said, there was an exchange, but it didn't go down like that. And Jericho's quote was, nothing else to say. I don't fight jobbers. Nuff said. So he's holding to that line. It sounds like he's not disagreeing with that being the line that was said. Some internet sleuths have tried to figure out where this stems from. Apparently, this tweet, November 4th, 2020, so again, election time, Chris Jericho said, I'm not a political person, but is it strange to anybody else that for the first time ever, we have to wait a day, two days, five days, Uh. 10 days to find out who won the presidential race? To which MVP replied, delete this. <laughs> and then someone said, yeah, MVP, you tell him what to do. Don't let him have his own opinion. And MVP replied, misinformation or categorically false information is not an opinion. There are no such things as alternative facts. But hey, no reason to let the truth get in the way. Boom. I mean, and that's, you know, here's the thing. Everybody that retweeted or spread that horse shit when if Chris was able to watch real news instead of living in his fucking Fox bubble, he would have known that everybody that paid attention had been saying that that was going to take place for weeks and weeks. But it wasn't a surprise. But it was a surprise to them because their their dipshit leader, and this is another thing came out in the, in the commission hearings, was telling people, don't vote by mail. Go in person in a pandemic. And they they didn't think he was doing himself any favors there either. So spreading missing, I'm on MVP's side. Wait a minute, hold on here. Let me, uh, I wasn't ready. I didn't think early enough in the program there I was going to have to give somebody a round of applause. But yes, it doesn't help when people that ought to fucking know better spread bullshit to the more gullible, weak-minded people who will easily believe it. Well, apparently after MVP made his statement, Chris Jericho blocked him on Twitter. (laughs) So a lot of people were pointing to this specific interaction, if you want to call it that, and the subsequent blocking as being potentially part of what caused this. The word that came out was the argument they were having in the hotel in Houston was about social and political issues. You have to think it's all tied to this. You would think on the face of it, it's all tied to this. Well, is it all tied to this, or was this uh, Twitter exchange a rehashing or a, uh, a reprise, if you will, of, of something else that they maybe have discussed in person? And MVP has rolled his eyes at Mr. Jericho in the past. And, I mean, who knows? Because if you've got... I mean, I had somebody one time say to me, well, what do you expect from Jericho? He's a fucking rich white guy but no you can still have a brain especially when you've been in a business that's showbiz for most of your all of your adult life and you ought to know a line of bullshit when you see it and hear it but nevertheless let's also remind everyone chris jericho has the option to return to canada anytime he wants (laughs) in fact some of us may pay for the transit actually i don't know it's awful hard to get into Canada. I don't know whether Chris could qualify these days. Well, he's a dual citizen, isn't he? Well, but that, you know, they'll fuck with you anyway. <laughs> well, you've had bad experiences. It's not just me. <laughs> I have, let me tell you something. I have, over the last 20 years, 
I have discussed this with a number of professional wrestlers, and these are guys that have made multiple trips to Japan and wrestled in the United Kingdom and been to, you know, Germany. I mean, I just name countries, 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 right? And also, and I have been, as you know, twice in the last 10 years over across the pond to the United Kingdom. Hello, Kenny Mack. And everybody has universally told me that they have more trouble getting into Canada than they do any other country in the world. And it, it, whether it be the UK or Japan or Germany or Australia or wherever the fuck, it's a bigger pain in the ass. You go through more shit. You might get pulled or stalled or delayed or detained or generally made to feel uncomfortable trying to go to Canada than any other country that they've been to. And the Canadians are not, they're not like, hey, what the, who the fuck are you talking to? It's just their goddamn border people. And remember, they don't, they don't keep nasty people out because remember, we've commented on a number of people that are in Canada that are like, well, how the fuck did he get there? If you're so worried about fucking spitting on the sidewalk. But go ahead. I was going to say, you said hello to Kenny Mack. Do you realize that right now there are more Macintoshes in wrestling than McMahon's? How many Macintoshes are there? Well, if there's one, there's equal amount as there are McMahon. Well, so you like, said more. I'm trying to. There has to be a second Macintosh. And you know, at, at Kenny Macintosh, I'll tell you what, he's a goddamn, he's a, he's, what do they call it? Dogging over there in the UK. He'll go around and, and spread his seed around and just inseminate everybody. He's a wild man. He'll, he'll kick Ric Flair's ass and partying. But so there may be more Macintoshes, but I was, there's an equal number. That's it's it's it, the the worm is turning. There's an equal number of Macintoshes and McMahons in wrestling, and an equal number of McMahons and Jarretts in the executive positions in the WWE. Who would have ever thunk it? Well, I guess to end this segment, go get them next time, MVP. We're rooting for you. Yeah. Hey, if you need, we'll teach you a few things. We'll work out with you. Be, we could be like Briscoe for Shawn Michaels the night before the Montreal match. We could go to get in the room with MVP and teach him a few things how to take care of himself. Hey, listen, move one, go for the weave. <laughs> That's it. It's over. It's, it's all over there. We have, I'm going to be honest, we have a couple of questions I'm going to read here. Sent the corny drive through at gmail.com from Charlie in Starkville, <sighs> Mississippi. He has good questions, and he's a published author. We could use the rub. He's an author. Here's his first question. Chris Jericho recently explained the concept of the wizard character he is currently portraying. Jericho said, quote, The wizard. What is it? Nothing. What is it? Everything. The character thinks he's a wizard. He can cast these spells in AEW and is the most popular performer and the best wrestler in the world. So that's basically a wizard. What no, your, that's a delusional fuckwit. What are your thoughts on Jericho's take on his wizard character? A wizard is a guy that wears a long robe with stars and moons on it and a big pointy hat and waves a magic wand and sparkly things emerge from it and, and magic tricks happen in front of your very eyes. That's a wizard, not a aging wannabe rock star that discovered flash paper. And what I don't understand the I thought we were going to get an explanation. The wizard, what is it? Nothing, everything. What is that? He's not he's not the, the character. 
It's Chris Jericho. That's who he is. And everybody knows that it's Chris Jericho doing something else, which for a while was was good. He didn't do the same thing for 30 years. But now it's every three weeks. And what the fuck? Take up collecting stamps if you've got a midlife crisis. But what about the way Chris Jericho is presenting himself that would make you think or want to believe that he's a wizard? It doesn't make sense. Do you understand what he just said there? The gimmick doesn't make sense. His explanation doesn't make sense. I think it's just a bad idea, and he doesn't like that. He's not coming out saying poof, and, you know, things happen. Because then that would be as bad as Matt Hardy teleporting through time and space and changing clothes in an ice machine. No, it's more about trying to get a cheap pop for him just saying randomly, because I'm a wizard, during his promos. (sighs) Well... The Grand Wizard didn't say he was a wizard that often. You made all the viewers disappear last week. What happened? <laughs> That's something he pulled out of his hat. He, 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 they touched the remote and turned the channel. <laughs> Jim, we have another... <laughs> oh, that was really good. Uh, Jim, well, a couple more things before we wrap things up. I have something here that many listeners have been sending in for the last few days. I'm trying to see where this is from. It's a quote from a Chris Jericho interview on the True Gordy podcast, I believe it would be. True Gordy? I thought that was Terry Gordy. Well, this is about Vince McMahon paying hush money to a paralegal. Here's a quote from Chris Jericho. Give your thoughts afterwards. When you look at it, it's really not illegal. He had an affair. (laughs) Paid off the lady not to... Wait a minute, wait a minute. The first words out of his mouth, well, it's not illegal. He had an affair. Paid the lady off not to say anything. And moved on. It's almost like, okay, and? It was a mutual acknowledgement of the affair. He paid the lady to say nothing. She took the money. I really know Vince well, and it sucks that happened. It sucks that he did it. But is anything really going to happen from it? I don't think so. Is it morally right? Absolutely not. Is it illegal? No. Is it something that is going to get him into real trouble? I don't yes. think so. <laughs> he doesn't think so? That's how it ends? I don't think so. So what are your thoughts on Chris Jericho's opining on the Vince McMahon scandals? Well, was this before or after they came out with another $9 million worth of NDAs, and several, including members of the roster, the talent roster, that... Uh, that Vince was, well, he said it sucks, but I think in, in this case, the other talent was doing the sucking. So this was just, this was before or after that. Or do we know? I do not know. Uh, these so basically, Chris, Chris Jericho, the, now we found out that he's a religious nut and also in favor of the overthrow of the government of the United States, but Vince can basically use the steno pool as his own private hoorer house and well it is not morally right but it's not illegal somebody may be wanting a hall of fame induction and or one last run and trying not to uh close that door because it better happen soon there's only so much botox in the world i was about to say well you know but hey did you have you seen Mickey Rourke lately? He's had something else done. He's looking good. He and Chris could form a team. <laughs> <I> mean, 
Again, you know, it's I I've said the same thing. I don't know how they're going to force Vince out. So I don't know how that bad outcome is going to happen because he's got the stock and everything stacked in his favor, but we can't say nothing's going to happen or this is not going to be a big deal or it's not going to affect anything. Chris is downplaying it because Chris still wants a place to go after Tony Khan has an Adderall induced stroke or heart attack or whatever. But to downplay that in that way, no, and, and, and again, does Chris think it's okay just because it was the paralegal, the illegal paralegal, or is it okay now, even though it was members of the roster that didn't necessarily want to fucking gobble Vince's goober, but did it on the thought that, well, I guess I better gobble this goober or elsewise I'm going to be selling him on a street corner. And regardless of who the, the uh, roster member was that got the big payoff for doing things they weren't supposed to do or didn't want to do or whatever. Still, the point, I'm not saying that. I've heard a few names bandied around. I will say that one of those ladies, I don't think will suck a dick, but will hold one in her mouth till the swelling goes down. But still, it's not right to be coerced by your, it's fine to be paid. But it's not right to be coerced. And that's where I draw the line. If it's a business transaction and everybody's happy with it, if the purchaser is happy with the sale price, if the seller is happy with the purchase price, and all things being equal, I believe all transactions should be final. And that I can't see bringing anything from that transaction back for a goddamn refund. But um, but when you make somebody or coerce somebody to do something they don't want to do even for the money, well, that's where you got to draw a line. All right. Well, Jim, before we draw the line and wrap things should, up. Should we, should we write that down and transcribe that in case any of the companies out there want to use that in their human resources manual? All right. Well, I guess we ought to get into some more news involving one of our favorite members of the AEW roster. I was watching uh or not watching but looking through twitter and saw some comments about this but i believe you have found the the clip that's germane to this incident i am not a regular listener of chris jericho's podcast i'm i'm sure he has some i'm just not one of them who could be Oof. um well it it you know it would probably be burdensome, but somebody's got to do it. It's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. But in this case, it got a little interesting because, you know, we've we've seen Jericho. I think he's one of these people who just likes to have his picture taken with famous people, regardless of their ilk. He's had pictures with Donald Trump Jr. I think he was on the program one time. Uh, I think he was a big fan of one of the one of the other right-wing lunatic rock stars like Ted Nugent or Kid Rock, one of those type of people. But he's had the other side of the coin on, a guy who didn't necessarily say some things that Chris Jericho might have wanted to hear recently, old Governor Jesse Ventura, who's always been a different kind of fellow uh, and has his beliefs and doesn't mind mentioning them in public forums. And apparently... Old Jericho got blistered by Jesse. Well, he wasn't blistering Jericho. He was blistering former president pig shit, and Jericho had to sit there and listen to the truth for once. 
And I'm pretty sure that that didn't fall very well with him since his wife was vacationing in D.C. to celebrate the insurrection and attempted overthrow of our government, and he himself contributed money to a fucking criminal psychopath that tried to, again, overthrow democracy. And Jesse, apparently, from what I have heard, told Chris Jericho what he thought of the whole matter on Jericho's own show, and Chris sat there and nodded a lot. Is this, have I summarized this appropriately here? I believe so. We'll play a little bit of audio so you can actually review it and hear the real thing as opposed to whatever you're reading. But it's interesting to note that Jesse Ventura, I believe, and Chris Jericho share the same agent. I mean, Jesse was the one who brought Barry Bloom into wrestling, and Barry Bloom is Jericho's agent, correct? Uh, Well, I haven't checked with him recently. I think at one time that was the case. And Barry Bloom, actually, like you said, Jesse brought him into wrestling at various points, uh, was the guy who, over the past 25 years, who's represented, I would say, what, 80 or 90% of the major names getting major contracts in wrestling, or at least he did at one time, especially. I know when when Jim Ross was the head of talent relations for the WWF, he didn't look forward to speaking to Barry Bloom uh, about a number of subjects. And when JR left that position, Barry Bloom became JR's agent. So he must be good. Let's now go. Here's a little bit of audio again. Chris Jericho speaking with the former governor of Minnesota, not just someone who's in the politics, a former elected official, Jesse Ventura, on his little podcast. It's like right now, Chris. Do you know why I hate the Republican Party right now? And I'll say it blatantly on the air with you why I hate them. Why? Because I took an oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And on January 6th, the Republicans attacked my capital against the Constitution. And I saw a Confederate flag get carried through my capital with their blessing and no one, and I mean no one to this day from the Republican Party has apologized for it. All I want is an apology. I want the Republican Party to tell Governor Jesse Ventura they are apologizing and are sorry that a Confederate flag got carried through his national capital. Right. I don't think that's too much to ask, but I don't think it'll ever be done, Chris. I'd hate to admit something, but I'll try to word this as best I can. If I would have been security that day, the dude with the flag, I often wonder if he'd be breathing today. Mm -hmm. Get my message? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah. It takes a lot of ingredients to fix or build a car. (laughs) (laughs) That's how he inserts his hands, the fucking dick. Listen, that's hysterical because that was the perfect opportunity for Jericho to say, listen, my wife was there and I want to speak up for those people. He said nothing. Oh, well, remember all the people that were saying, well, I was there. It was just a tourist visit, just a just a protest, just everybody normally going about their business. It was fucking chaos. We've seen the video. There was your point, Chris. There was your time. You could have told. Governor Jesse Ventura, who may not have been the greatest elected politician in the world, but he's been one, so he has more experience at it than you. He knows how this shit works. There was your time to say, no, it's all been misunderstood. 
There were voting irregularities. There was fraud committed. People were outraged. No, you sat there like a little bitch with your tail tucked between your legs when you heard the truth, just like every other Republican is doing right now, that they're hearing the truth from the people that were there in the January 6th commission under oath. Republicans, people that Trump appointed alike, saying he was unhinged, saying that he was a criminal, saying that he was trying to overthrow the government by illegal means. It's all been outed. And Chris, you had the chance and you couldn't say anything because you know why? Because there's nothing to say. But you could have, he could have called home and had his wife called and apologized to Jesse Ventura for being there. When she put up her vacation pictures on Facebook, here we are trying to help a fucking criminal psychopath overthrow the government. And we're all blonde. Jesse Ventura never met a conspiracy theory he didn't like. And he, even he, when he hears all this, like, that's nuts. <laughs> he lost yeah. the election. It's too, when it's too <laughs> much for him. <laughs> Anyway, so we'll we'll keep an eye on uh and maybe they can book that in AEW. Jericho versus Ventura. It would have name value. Oh, Barry Bloom would love to negotiate with Tony again. I'm sure he would. I would I would imagine that Tony, every time Barry Bloom sits down with Tony Khan, Barry has to bring an extra Brinks truck or two to carry off all the extra money because that would literally be Einstein teaching a second grade math class. I'd pay money right now to hear Ventura talk with Linda McMahon. I'd pay money to sit there <laughs> and listen to it. Our next question sent the corny drive through at gmail.com from Julian in Greenville, South Carolina. In a recent interview, Chris Jericho explained why death matches are good for wrestling and discussed the spot where he broke his nose. I find it ironic that Jericho's whole gimmick is making fun of pro wrestling and making it look fake, yet he thinks the death matches add credibility to the business. And I have wait, an wait, wait a minute. Is that his, his comment was they add credibility? Well, no, that was the emailer saying that. But hold on, I have an article here from Fightful.com by Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy? And I guess he's referencing something else. This is from Comic Book. Here's the quote. You just go, fuck, that hurt. Matches like that one we just had are probably good for the wrestling business because it lets people know that it's not just all fun and games. Oh, God. Oh, that stuff isn't real. They don't really hit each other. Then you literally get bashed in the nose with the leg of a chair. You could see it. It was just an accident. But when it hit my nose, I thought for sure it was broken. (laughs) It wasn't as badly broken as I thought. It was more just cracked and cartilage (laughs) and that sort of thing. Still, as long as you can still move, breathe, and see, it's just a part of the job. If it's on TV, at least we'll get some shots in it, and it's probably good for the business in the long run. Shots of it, excuse me. And it's probably good for the business in the long run. It doesn't feel good the next day. Are those matches, the match he had, is that good for wrestling in any way? No, 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 no. Because, number one, I can understand it used to be that's every time you got a black eye or you got busted open, you got some stitches, what a visual injury, the old timers would say, well, it's good for the business. People be able to see that. Go out on TV with a black eye, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Can't fake that. The problem is when 
when they have these garbage matches and it's so obviously in front of you visually that this is a fake bunch of bullshit that they're cooperating with each other to do shit that nobody would ever do that doesn't look real that you can see the cooperation and that is bogged down in human stunt show bill then somebody gets hurt doing that and if jericho's saying well a bunch of people say oh that's fake and they really don't get hurt well then they see jericho doing obviously choreographed fake shit with another guy and he really gets hurt and they must go well jericho ain't very good at that because he got hurt which by the way they had to call that spot they Jericho didn't just jump up and do a code breaker to Kingston while he had a chair up in the air going to swing it. It was a called spot, and I can't imagine that neither one of them didn't think, well, what's going to happen to that fucking chair when Jericho jerks me down forward? I'm already going that way anyway. But nevertheless, no, it helps the business's credibility when the work is good enough and safe but snug enough and makes sense enough that you can't see through it and you're not sitting there and going, why the fuck would that guy do that stupid thing out of the blue that didn't make any sense? And if a an errant potato does land in the pot and you've got a black eye or whatever to show for it, all the better. But if you come out with a black eye or a swollen fucking testicle or cut from asshole to appetite, off of barbed wire that you were rolling around in. It still looked like a fake match. You just weren't good enough to not get hurt doing fake shit. So I look at it completely differently and more logically than Jericho does. And of course, Jericho thinks it's good for wrestling. Every bad thing he's done over the last several years, he's not thought any of that was bad. He thinks everything he does, he thinks is good. Uh, but at least in this case, it wasn't as painful when he was doing dinner theater and dance routines. Now he's trying to do the hardcore shit with the Deathmatch Boys. Frank Sinatra doing Gigi Allen. Right. Our next question, sent to cornydrivethrough at gmail.com, uh, comes from a, a fellow we don't hear from enough. Charlie in Starkville, Mississippi. Charlie, hope your dad's doing okay, by the way. Hi, Jim. Chris Jericho recently... Hi, Charlie. Uh, hello, big boy. Hi, Jim. Chris Jericho recently talked about why he didn't change his entrance music from Judas when he turned heel. Jericho said Tony didn't want it. He wanted to keep the original song. What are your thoughts on Tony Khan wanting to keep Judas as Jericho's entrance music? I did see this comment and it and he where I saw it it was fleshed out as Chris saying I did want to take it away from him because I was going to be a heel but Tony didn't want me to do it. My response is Chris didn't try hard. Then because you can't tell me that Tony Khan who who listens to all these other off the wall half cocked half baked creative suggestions from everybody in the world and does most of them apparently i don't see a lot of editing going on if chris jericho tells tony khan who's never been in this goddamn business before he started his own three years ago and jericho's got 25 years experience and that apparently means a lot to tony even if it doesn't mean a lot to the other wrestlers in the locker room when people have experience if jericho said no it's my song 
It's my gimmick. It's my character, however the phrase is. I'm going to be a heel. They like to sing along. It's going to make them happy. I want to take it away from them to be a heel. No, we're not going to play it. We're going to play something else. Tony would say, no, goddamn you, Chris Jericho. If you don't play that song that the people like that they'll cheer for, uh, even though you're a heel, just because you're trying to make my business better, I'm going to find you or suspend you or fire you and you'll never work here in, in this town again. No. He didn't try very hard. He may have made a token attempt and told him, oh, no, let's keep it. And maybe Chris led him that way with the questioning to begin with. But, but no, there was no serious contemplation or request or demand made. No, we've got to, we've got to do this differently if I'm going to be a heel, obviously, or it would have been done differently. So no, I don't, I don't buy that implausible story. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, it makes me wonder if, I don't think Jericho was too, you know, I don't think yeah. he was too, too <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think Jericho, was, I don't think he, he wasn't was too, on a mission. He wasn't too eager to, to, uh, to drop the song. He was Yet, not in, on in a the, crusade in, to do that. No. In like the first two years when he was a heel. <laughs> so I don't think he had a, you know, a coming, uh, coming to Jesus or coming to Judas moment, I guess. Oh, I see what you did there. Yes. Oh yes. Thank you. Yeah. Somehow I'm, I'm not quite buying it. I, I will, I'll pass on that. But, but, you know, again, it comes down to the guys, the guys having input in their gimmicks and their matches and their promos and everything else has been what they've wanted in the WWE for so long that they haven't been able to attain. And in AEW, that was the promise that they were getting. That's why a lot of them went there. But now, unfortunately, you find out the flip side of that coin is that there's a reason why all the guys, I mean, the, the ideas that even guys in the WWE that you would think were experienced and were veterans in the nineties were pitching to me just, you know, and I'm not going to mention any names, but it was stuff that you would protect them by never mentioning it to Vince because then he'd think that the guys that he thought were halfway sane were crazy. And or, you know, the ideas that were obviously see-through, like, yeah, I'd like to be Vince McMahon's illegitimate child. Oh, that means you're going to get some TV time. Uh, well, that's a happy byproduct. I hadn't really been thinking of that. The, it, it, you have to have the right guys that have input, and only a few of them at the top at a high level that are the more experienced guys and the money ball players. And in, in the Carolinas, it was besides Dusty, you know, Flair had input. And certain at certain times, various members of the horsemen or somebody that would be on top of the fucking food chain. And they would be, you know, obviously, it, that's the way that George Scott booked the Carolinas for years, was he got the Johnny Valentines and the Blackjack Mulligans and guys who had done angles with each other in 50 million different territories and knew how to draw money with themselves and each other. And let them do it. But you can't just let guys who have wanted creative input 
all this time, but have never had it. Or even worse, the fucking Cucamonga kids and the creative things that they do with their stupid, silly video YouTube show and their, you know, just indie mindset. You don't want to give them free reign with no governor, no fucking leash on them, because then you get a show that not only is schizophrenic, but in a lot of spots, stupid. And that's why you have to have a happy medium of everything. Experienced guys on... When Punk is there, at least his segments come off with with professionalism. And some other guys that that have the uh, the knowledge and the detail-oriented mind to make it good instead of just going out there to do cool shit with their friends... But that's, you know, that Tony has, he's had the money to put the the thing on the air and get the thing established. He had the contacts to get the television time. He's had the ability to bring all these people together, but he's never had anybody to run this fucking place. And that continues to be his problem and his issue. So for uh, for all of those various reasons, you can't have... Just everybody doing everything they want to do, and it's all a community effort. Somebody's got to be the boss. Somebody's got to help the boss, and somebody's just got to be the stooge that does what they're told. And there needs to be more of them than there are of the previous two. Did I answer that question or five others? Well, I think that was a pretty holistic answer. (laughs) That branched out. (laughs) But it just, it's so, it's Jesus. Imagine if you were going to shoot a movie. And okay, Sylvester Stallone wrote Rocky, right? And he starred in Rocky. He didn't direct Rocky because he was nobody back then. But he had input because he was fucking Rocky. And he wrote Rocky. And the director is going to listen to the guy that wrote the movie and is starring in the movie. But how much input did fucking Rocky's sparring partner in one scene have? How much input did the goddamn the side of beef hanging in the freezer have? Yeah, we might listen to Mickey because it's Burgess Meredith. He's been around forever, but he's probably going to be pretty quiet. And uh, yo, Adrian, we did it. I'm sure she was probably easy to work with, didn't demand much. But everybody else in the movie pretty much just fucking went and sat in the corner when they were told to. Because you can't have everybody pitching in on the fucking thing. Well, I mean, Talia Shire comes from the Coppola family, so. Well, I I I don't care if she can cope or not cope. She'll learn to get along with it. Right, and perhaps Buckus the Bulldog had a few choice (laughs) uh, contributions. Yeah, I'll tell you what, they had to get that bulldog uh, milk bones every day at three o'clock or he went on strike. Yeah, yeah. Ha. Ah, but, uh. But there's that. that but indeed, there is that. <laughs> before I play you any more audio, let me just promise you before we get to this next section, there's going to be some good stuff at the end that you're going to like with Tony getting fired up, talking about Jim Crockett promotions, etc. <laughs> but we got to get through some of this Chris Jericho stuff because you have to hear it. You really need to see it because it's so, it's so pompous. It's amazing. It's like, it's, (laughs) go ahead. Well, I was just going to say like inside the actor's studio kind of shit. 
Really, like, imagine if they had the most smug version of Jerry Lewis on there. And he's just blowing himself all over the place. And talking about all the people he's done great things for. With all his brilliant ideas that he concocted in his brilliant mind. And how popular he is in France. And imagine if he was sitting next to his biggest fan. And that's what you got here with Chris Jericho and Tony Khan. Let me play you some audio, Jim. Here is Chris Jericho talking about the advice he gave to the roster during the meeting. Well, thank you. Uh, Nick Hausman, Wrestling Inc. Um, there was, I asked Tony about this earlier this week, but there was the mandatory backstage talent meeting that Tony confirmed happened. Uh, reportedly, you spoke at that meeting, Chris. I was just wondering if you could tell us what you said to the roster and you know what kind of advice you're giving to talent and management right now at this period in AEW. You know, I mean, the specifics don't need to be discussed, even though you can read them online, and that was one of the things that was discussed. Don't leak shit that's supposed to be private amongst us. But I think that I, my message always is to remind people how special AEW is. And don't take that for granted, you know? like swearing and that sort of thing like all it takes is the wrong guy to see somebody say pussy or whatever the hell it is and they're gonna go done it happens we know this so just i always want to remind guys that please don't uh <laughs> how many times has he said dipshit on tv i was about to say what he the, the, the <laughs> shit king of television for a while there he was trying to go with gfy until moxley said go fuck yourself on live tv yes so this is the guy, so watch your language, kids. Ruin, or potentially ruin, this amazing world that we've created. We don't want guys going into business for themselves. We, we don't, and we or can't. Girls. You know, and, and where I came from, working for Vince for 20 years, that was unacceptable. It would never happen. And I'm just trying to let people know that we're getting to the point now where these types of things are unacceptable as well. And we will start you know, doing things that Tony would do if in the NFL or in, in with Fulham, and we are a pro sports multi-million dollar company with a huge television contract, with another huge television contract coming up soon. So a lot of guys don't have that experience and don't realize just how special this is. So that's what I try and do whenever we have these types of meetings. And I have them, and Tony has them. We used to have a lot more, but now it's a little more frequent. Just to remind guys, stay, stay, stay on course. The benevolent Chris Jericho. Yeah, there's part of the problem. That's who they're getting advice from, these young wrestlers. Chris Jericho. Oh, my God. Stay away from the Capitol, kids. Don't listen to him. All right, let's go to this. Hold on. Jim, here is Chris Jericho, or on this night, Lionheart. Dave. Hey, Chris. How are you? Good to see you guys, man. <clears throat> so when it comes to the mentality of reinvent you know you're reinventing yourself all the time because you have to do you've been in the business for a long time and you have to keep things fresh how did the Lionheart idea come in i mean in the it's, sense of i mean you did it before but to go back to something that it's almost like you're going back 25 years in your career yeah i mean did it just pop into your head one day or well, was well, it something so it's yeah. an interesting story. So we uh, built up a match with, with Jericho and Mox at Quake by the Lake for the title. Um, and prior to that, I was just finishing up with Eddie Kingston. And also Moxie was involved as well. But we did Anarchy in the Arena. And we did Blood and Guts. And then we did Barbed Wire Everywhere. And I remember Mox at one point going, well, we did some kind of a game. Like, we, we've done too many gimmicks. Like, why don't we just have a fucking wrestling match? And he was, yeah, like that. And then he texted me during the week. 
mocks is a man of few words unless he's excited, in which case he'll talk your ear off. And he said, I got this idea. What do you think? I remember I was in London for my spoken word show. And he said, I got this idea. Why don't I say, like, leave all the bullshit behind, leave the JS behind. I want the guy that I used to tape trade to see, that I watched in ECW in Japan, the Super Jacob, Lionheart, Chris Jericho. And at first I was like, well, that's interesting because I'm not a guy who likes nostalgia. But I was like, that's really cool. It's almost like I just done the pain maker with barbed wire everywhere. Why can't we do Lionheart? That's actually really, really cool. And Tony loved it as well. So then I had the vest and then I went to have a storage unit where I looked through boxes of stuff and I found the kick pads, his original kick pads. I could not find. I got to stop for a second. This is unbearable. He's yeah, so yeah. pleased with himself. It's almost like he knew this question was coming. He's so pleased with himself and the brilliant behind the scenes story of how Lionheart returned. How he went through his storage unit. And at least we know now the confirmation it was Moxley's idea because we mentioned how stupid that was and how markish that was and how narrow casting that was. That here's a guy who beat The Rock and Steve Austin at one point in the same night and was the undisputed WWF champion back when that actually meant something. But we want to remember when he worked outlaw shows in Japan. So, yeah, that's Moxley, all right. Jim, let's get this last bit of audio from Jericho. Here's Jericho's comments on MJF's return. Chris and Denise Salcedo from Instincts Culture. So I wanted to ask you, given your history with MJF, what did you think of his return tonight? I loved it. I was not expecting, like, I, I knew he was here, but I was not expecting what, uh, what I saw. And I thought, that's really, really cool. Now, the thing is, I worked with MJF for a year, and I know how creative he is and how good he is, so it doesn't surprise me. What surprised me the most is that we got Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones. And I'm like, okay. That's some money for sure. White zombie electric head, that's a certain level. You'd be surprised. I would be surprised. <laughs> I, I know that we asked for Van Halen uh, at one point, and they wanted like a million or some ridiculous thing, and ACDC wouldn't even call us back. So the Stones are much uh, cooler and, and cheaper, apparently, uh, or maybe not that cheap, but either way, I just Well, they played our stadium, former TIA. That's event. right, that's right, that's right. So I, I thought it was, it, it doesn't surprise me at all, even though I was pleasantly surprised at, at how he did it. Yeah. Thank I'm you. a big fan of, of MJF, I really am. And I said to him, when you come back, you're going to be a baby face. And he's like, I don't want to be a baby face. I want to be a face. I said, it's, it's going to happen. And he's like, I don't know what to do. I said, I'm sure The Rock said the same thing, or Steve Austin oh, said geez. the same thing. Thank you, you Chris. Come for... back. I'll teach you. It's easy. Getting, it's, <laughs> easy. it's easier to make people hate you than it is to make them like you. But once they start hating you, that's when they really start liking you. And he's almost at that point. That's my prediction. I think he'll be one of our top baby faces, whether he wants to be or not, very, very soon. Thank you, Chris, for trying to make somebody else in the company with talent look phony and fake and fucking kill their gimmick. Thank you very much for that. Really, what the fuck is that? MJF, for everything we know about the guy, does everything he can to protect his gimmick. And there's Jericho, like, oh, he came to me. He was so concerned. How can I be a heel? Yeah. How can I do it? And he talked just like this. He talked just like <laughs> seriously. Because he was like, he was so excited to be in my presence because I was Lionheart. It's like a late era Liberace interview. This is so <laughs> ridiculous. And you look at him, and his forehead is all pulled back. I don't know what that is on top of his fucking head. And then he sits there, and in the most pretentious way, tries to talk like the master thespian, speaking to 
Cannes. I mean, I really don't know. The Cannes Film Festival, that's where he is. It's so ridiculous and it's so preposterous. And the only thing that makes this concerning is the fact that Tony Khan's next to him and he's clearly the biggest fan Chris Jericho has in the entire world. He's nodding and he's smiling and he's, it's like he's mooning. He's mooning because it's his, you know, his living action figures, his whole collection there. He gets to show them off. Before we wrap things up, we have gone a while here, but we have some breaking news or, uh oh, I don't know how broken it is. It certainly isn't fixed, though. But, Jim, we have some news that's coming out. Fightful Select is reporting. Uh, this is sent by a few of the listeners to the drive through email. Jericho approached CM Punk, unhappy about the brawl-out fight as the brawl-out fight. The brawl-out fight? Unhappy about the brawl-out fight as well as the nature of the scrum that had just taken place. Jericho told CM Punk that he was a cancer to the locker room and a detriment to the company. Those we've spoken to didn't recount CM Punk's reply verbatim, but said that he effectively told Jericho it wasn't his business and he needed to leave. (laughs) 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 Can you imagine you're in the middle of all this shit and you and your friend are fighting these other guys who have fucked with you and his girl is there and your dog is there and people are screaming and all this shit and you're fucking been hit in one way or another and you're hurt and you're bloody. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that, Jericho runs in. Probably just combed his hair. Stop enough, everyone, stop! You're a cancer to the locker room, said Mr. Pot to Mr. Kettle. And I wish we got the exact quote, but I'm sure that Punk probably drew his fist back from one of the Bucks' face and took his other foot out of the other Bucks' ass and turned over to Jericho and said, it's not any of your business, and I think you should go now. And then resumed ripping out carotid arteries. Thanks for showing up, Chris. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Where were you when we all needed you? <laughs> Why didn't you run in with everyone else? Where were you, Chris? If he's worried about being a locker room leader, why wasn't he one of the people that went to Tony Khan and said, you've been hearing about this, and you've been hearing about this, and and you've been warned that it's headed to a physical confrontation and there's going to be some type of showdown and you're frivolously ignoring this why didn't chris step up and be a locker room leader by getting tony to address the situation that he had been informed of over and over again because he wanted punk gone he never wanted punk there to begin with no it couldn't be that couldn't be that why they had a a long series of matches back in the old WWF days, didn't they? They go yeah. way back. <laughs> yeah, how how far back? That's a long time ago that you're talking about. Well, I'm sure some things stay with you. Can you imagine working a long series with Chris Jericho? And how I'm sure that was interesting discussions on how that would go even back then. And to be honest, that's kind of the end of Chris Jericho when he was Chris Jericho. That's kind of the end of that period right there. Well, he may be back on his period because he's now he's f- firmly back. Oh, in the, I set you up so in the seat here in control of of the period he's having right now, ladies and gentlemen. You may want to use ExpressVPN for the next topic. I want to ask you about. Several people have been emailing in and sending in things on Twitter. Did you see Chris Jericho on the Masked Singer? <laughs> yes. Have they revealed it's actually him yet? Because it's not like you can't tell from that 
voice and the the first sing I want to dance with you or you want to dance with me or what it, it sounded like when he was singing a cappella you know a cappella oh a cappella when he was singing a cappella the rock song for Sebastian Bach when they were having their Twitter war it sounded just like that and I saw that clip and I saw the I guess the premise of the show is obviously it's some celebrity of some description from some field that is under these outlandish costumes and sings and they give clues and the panel has to figure out who it is and I listen to the clues and I I must not be good at puzzles because I don't know where they're going. Clue but, one, uh, he sings like shit. But well, but it's it's obviously, I mean, that's his voice. That's some things you can just tell. And every every wrestling fan spotted it immediately, but the panel is was apparently completely bumfuzzled. And but uh, have they revealed him yet, or is this uh, going on an ongoing concern here? As soon as everyone heard that shitty voice, it revealed who it was. They, I don't know. But I mean, when how did how are the eliminations, or when do they pop the hood and re- make the big reveal, or what? How does this show work? They're never going to guess it. Are those people going to guess the name Chris Jericho? No, they're probably, when they hear Chris Jericho, they're still going to say who? Well, no, they're not going to say that because they're going to be clued in to, okay, now, when if anybody, and I assume that's not just for Jericho, but if if anybody gets unmasked on our show and you didn't guess right, look shocked like, oh, I can't believe it's you, even if you don't know who they are. Because elsewise, it would make the show look like shit. So they got to do some level of working. But I don't think Chris Jericho, the lead singer of Fozzie, would be uppermost in their mind when they're trying to guess a mystery celebrity singer. Tell me the truth. You know how I feel. He can't sing, can he? Well, I'm a bad judge because... You've listened to music your whole life, yeah. Because, well, (laughs) I'm a bad judge because I can't do it myself, so I admit that. But having said that, uh, once I heard that acapella version and it wasn't the studio version of Judas with a lot of bells and whistles and effects and maybe some auto tune. Yeah, I don't think he can sing. Like, it sounds like he's impersonating a singer from the 80s. Just he got this voice. Like, it just doesn't sound. Well, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, you're you're trying to do the, the, the karaoke thing, you know, but. <laughs> and you're you're imitating that person who does that thing. Well, but does the mass singer never end? If the last person's name can't be guessed, do they just sit there and keep guessing names <laughs> until they finally get it? But at some point, there's got to be a prize given of some description, right? If you if you stump the panel. Let's hope they give Fozzie a worldwide tour that lasts seven years. <laughs> now, come on now. What do you... What do you want to do to the music business? You, you that That's your former occupation. Why now do you want to put the music business out of business? Bottom it out so we can build it back up, like Austin Theory. Well, there you go. That's my theory on what to do with the music business. That's it. Well, it's only a theory because it hasn't been proven. You know who can save this whole thing, Brian Last? Chris Jericho. You are exactly correct. Uh, we need a steady... A calm, a serious, a balanced, focused, sharp, professional eye on this thing. That's what we need. And 
Chris Jericho, I believe, is the person who can provide a sober, rational viewpoint. Sober? A sober, rational viewpoint of of a person well-reasoned, well-rationed. You know, there is no reason to think that Chris Jericho is one of these crazy conspiracy theory nutcases that would just say ridiculous shit out in public and expect people to take it as gospel. I think Chris Jericho will be the guy to write this ship as soon as he gets down from the spaceship. Because have you heard? <laughs> I can't tell what you're transitioning to and I'm dying to find out. <laughs> have you heard that Chris Jericho has recently stated in public that he believes he may have been the target of an alien abduction. No, I saw that he, I thought, you, you know what? I thought you were transitioning to a spot. I just happened I know, to say no, Jericho. Is, and then I thought you were transitioning to him talking about the Olympics. I do not know this one. No. Okay. Hold on here. I'm going to bring this. I, I couldn't print this out. This is, um, this is a quote. Well, the quote, the headline was quote, I wasn't doing drugs or anything. Unquote. Chris Jericho recalls suspicious incident which left him in a daze. And this is on Sportskeeda, whatever that may be. And the author of the article is Jaya Krishna Dasapapan. I swear to God. So we'll move on from that. And apparently this is a, well... It's a friendly news outlet. You can tell this because second paragraph, Jericho can act, sing, and wrestle exceptionally well. Right there, you know that this is not exactly journalism. He has shared several stories from his wrestling and acting career. However, his latest tale has made fans nervous about his health. This is a quote from from Chiss, from Chiss Querico, from Chris Jericho. (laughs) I have had time displacement. It's when you can't account for a certain stretch of time. It's when you get like abducted. (laughs) Or you black out because of vodka. (laughs) Well, no, hold on now. Hold on now. Now, wait. Okay, let me hear more about his time displacement, please. Well, because there's there's some time to... He couldn't have been drinking because he was driving. See? The the (laughs) quote is, I've had time displacement. It's when you can't account for a certain stretch of time. It's when you get, like, abducted. I was driving home on a country road. Now, right there, it's always... It's never fucking Interstate 64. It's never in downtown fucking St. Louis next to the Arch. It's always in goddamn... Broken Bow, Oklahoma, on a country road, right? So here's his quote. I was driving home on a country road, and it should have taken me about an hour to get home. And instead of getting home at 2 a.m. Now, wait a minute. Does Jericho not live in, in suburban Tampa, Florida? Well, he has how a many... residence there. We don't know how many homes he has. Well, have, have, I don't know homes. How many homes you got, homes? Boy, <laughs> Where is he going to be driving down a deserted country? How many has he made an indie show somewhere in fucking Apopka? Uh, He's on a country road, and instead of getting home at 2 a.m., I got home at 5 a.m. I still don't know what happened. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't doing drugs or anything. 
there is just a big chunk of time missing. I should probably go to a hypnotist and see what happened. He's really lost it. This, uh, This guy got drunk and watched Flight of the Navigator and thought that was his life. I've not seen that flip film, so I will I'll just laugh ha 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 because I don't get it. But, <laughs> but it, okay, here's the thing now. You're supposed to get home at 2 a.m. You're driving down a lonely country road. I would assume you're alone because if you weren't alone, then you could turn to the guy next to you and say, Hey, where'd the last three hours go? How do I explain this to my wife? I was supposed to be well, home at two. I got home at five. It must have been alien abduction, of course. There's where I was going. <laughs> now, certainly, I know that, it, that especially in the advent of the cell phone era, that uh, my wife, Stacy, always when I'm on a trip, knows approximately what time I'm going to be home, and she gets updates. And even, yes, this was the middle of the night, but one would think that, you know, the insurrectionist wife would be, you know, at least as concerned about where the fuck he's at at two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning when he's overdue and he's driving out by himself. Could something have happened? She'd be at least as concerned about that as she was about trying to overthrow the fucking uh, doofully and lawfully elected government on January 6th. So... She wasn't calling around. She wasn't like, where the fuck's Chris? He was supposed to be home three hours ago. It's pitch black. I don't know what could have happened to him. He won't answer his cell phone. He must be on a country road. A country road being abducted <laughs> and, a- and anal probed by fucking the invaders. Roy Thinnis found that fucking shortcut. And now Chris has gone through the same path. For all of you fans of the Quinn Martin production, The Invaders. So he can't account for three hours. And again, now this is not his close is I should probably go to a hypnotist and see what happened. Okay. I've driven as everyone knows a couple million miles in my life. How will I find out what happened here? I know I'll go to a hypnotist. I'll go to a hypnotist. What? If I ever (laughs) came back from Orlando or New York or Chicago or wherever the fuck, and I know exactly what time I'm supposed to be home, and if I showed up at home three hours late while never having stopped whatsoever and not being cognizant of any delay in my trip, I'm calling a goddamn neurosurgeon. I'm getting a brain scan. I'm not going to, I guess I'll probably go to a hypnotist. And see if the, the Cartman's anal probe is still inside of me. Did you ever hear about what Dennis Rodman said to Carmen Electra when she caught him in bed with another woman? No, but I'd like to. They were married, and she walks in, and there's Rodman fucking some other girl. And she says, Dennis, who's this girl in my bed? And he says, what girl? And she says, <laughs> the girl right there. And he actually said, she must have fallen out of the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost as good as I was abducted by aliens on a country road. (laughs) Okay, so now the person that apparently has Tony Khan's ear and is giving him loads of great advice, including bring somebody in for me to beat every week on television, Tony, fully believes that he lost three hours in the middle of the night but wasn't concerned enough about it to go to a doctor and find out what may have happened. Was it daylight savings? What day was it? 
Well, now, wait a minute. You can't know it's not daylight save because that's three hours. He would have had to have been driving from the West Coast. And also, we fell back rather than ahead. So it's good. the time's going in the wrong way. Maybe he was on the flight with Hogan coming back from Japan where he could work twice in the same day across the international dateline. Do they have an international dateline on an interstate near Tampa? In Tampa? I don't know. Jim, we've received several questions about Chris Jericho. Not even about time displacement, but this is a previous topic. Here's an article from Wrestling Inc. by Dakota Cohn. Chris Jericho has Olympic-sized plans for pro wrestling. (laughs) Professional wrestling has never been part of the Olympics due to its outcomes being predetermined. I don't know if that's the only reason. Is that the only reason? I I don't know if that'd be the only reason or not. Well, they already have... (laughs) They already have wrestling, so if we're not going to work it, what the, what the fuck's the difference? However, some people believe that the scripted sport should in fact make its way into the Olympics, with one of those people being the current Ring of Honor world champion, Chris Jericho. While on Talk is Jericho, the Ocho explained why he would like pro wrestling to become an official Olympic sport. Quote, I literally want to go in front of the IOC the International Olympic Community, <laughs> I think it's committee, not community, but anyway. Yes, yes, it is International Olympic Committee, but they live in a gated community. And pitch pro wrestling as an Olympic sport. Now you might go, how can you do that? It's all, now hold on, stop right there, gymnastic, pairs gymnastics, figure skating, pairs figure skating, what is that? I don't know what this is. It's two, it's two people working together to put on the best performance possible. There is no way we could not do the same with pro wrestling. What are your thoughts? There's more here, but that's kind of the core of it. What are your thoughts on? It's just, well, it's a ludicrous over-the-top statement for a ludicrous over-the-top individual to get some uh, publicity on. Either that or he's, at this point, you know how much I love the the uh, whether you want to call it an art form or a sport or whatever how much i love the the concept of professional wrestling but no no it <laughs> for one thing the international olympic committee and anybody affiliated with it would goddamn yes would fucking guffaw at the idea because when you think of it the olympics are for sports and in any sport, even the gymnastics, people are trying to win, right? So if, if there's a team gymnastics or a team event, all the people are on the same team. It's not people putting on performance, but part of the performance is that they are in conflict with each other. I mean, it's a headline-grabbing statement made by a headline-grabbing individual but if you break down any of the any of the ways that it doesn't make any sense yes pro wrestling is a work they already have wrestling so why would they add more wrestling oh you say well this isn't olympic style wrestling this is professional wrestling well again then okay if it's a legitimate contest then you could put it in the olympics or if if professional wrestling was 
again, two people on the same team representing the United States or whatever country against some team from another country. But then you can't grade it like gymnastics because that's not what it is. That's just what some people think it is. Do you get, you know, Les Thatcher to come in from Cincinnati and, and two or three other wrestling training experts from around the world to come and judge a wrestling performance uh, it, that is given totally, completely off the wall and out of context to the rest of the Olympic Games. So what is and, it? What is it? Ten then? Like you don't, you don't see them call any spots. You know, like, you are, and that's the thing. And then what is the judging criteria? Mine would be, how good can you make this match without ever showing obvious cooperation? And but there's never been a ten. There's never been a match you couldn't see through if you were looking close enough. But it's just it's just ridiculous. And then the 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 whole concept of a lot of the guys in the business now wanting people to grade the wrestlers on their performance instead of the stats they used to use back in the old days, which was how big was the house and how many people were there. Um it's only because they know that the days have gone where they're ever going to draw a big crowd. So they want some type of positive feedback for their work from the small group of people that now watch it because they appreciate the art form rather than the large group of people that used to watch it because they want to see their favorite one win. So I, I, why don't Jericho take, uh, you know, bad lip syncing to the Olympics and try that one. Then we have a few Chris Jericho themed questions that have been sent in. Oh boy. This one sent to corny drive through at gmail.com is from Jesse in Memphis. On a recent episode of talk is Jericho. Chris Jericho was asked about the decision to bring Colt Cabana back. And if it had anything to do with CM Punk, <laughs> his response was, and this is in quotes, we wanted to bring Colt back onto the show, reintroduce him. He had a pretty rough year as well. He's a former Ring of Honor champion. Always enjoyed his work. A very solid worker. And it was fun to have him back. And that's the reason why he came back. Solely. Was just because we wanted to have him on the show and reintroduce him. He hadn't been on TV in a while. End quote. <laughs> and he hadn't been on TV again. Especially in recent years, Jericho has proven himself to be full of shit on numerous occasions, but does he really expect us to believe that this was the sole reason they chose Cabana out of all the former Ring of Honor talent that was available to them? I would like to hear Jim's thoughts on Jericho and his comments. Is there any way possible that after 30 years in the business, Chris Jericho had no clue fans would have this reaction? No! No, there's not! Because he knew what the reaction was going to be, because that's why they did it. Even Uncle Dave came out and said it. Well, it's obvious what happened here. As soon as they thought they could get away with it, they got in Tony's ear and said, oh, and it fit the MO that Jericho was working. Oh, yeah, he's a former Ring of Honor champion of some description, the TV title or whatever. So they could actually convince Tony, who is obviously susceptible to believing the lies of his friends, 
Oh, yeah, just it fits the angle. And they brought him back specifically to give Punk the finger, which we talked about at the time. Why would you do that to a guy that is known to not take public disrespect well and has a real good case for a lawsuit? Why you want to poke the bear? And the answer is because it's not their money. It's Tony Khan's money. And they couldn't resist. Twinkle toes, old Kenny Olivier went and did an interview with some big website and said, oh, we just need to move on past this. It's not punk versus the elite. We need to think about the fans. And then the next Wednesday night on TV, he and his two little buckaroos are doing things to mock the fight. He's biting the other guy's arm, and they're falling trying to do the buckshot lariat. They say one thing, and the, the apologists and the delusional people who believe them lap it up, and then they do the exact opposite. And then say, oh, I, well, no, no, it's just, we're just working or whatever. But no, and that's another How many weeks of TV did Jericho get to defend the Ring of Honor world title on? It had to be six, eight weeks in a row, right? Okay. Does anybody think it's coincidental or just amazing how this worked out that Chris Jericho got to defend uh, the title against and beat in the middle of the ring, a different former champion of some description every week on TV for six or eight weeks on national cable television on TBS with, at least by their standards, a lot of people watching, anywhere from 750 to 900,000, give or take the week. But when he does the, including, didn't he already beat Claudio on television? Beat him somewhere. He won the title from Claudio. There you go. But when it comes time to drop it, oh, I'll be happy to drop that title to Claudio on a fucking Ring of Honor secondary pay-per-view that may not be seen by 75,000 people, much less 750,000, and at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday where, I mean, that's, you know, the, the news dump is the weekend where the anytime the government has something they'd don't think people will take to, or anytime a big business has something people don't think they want to take, they'll dump it out on Friday after all the news outlets close down, see if they can slip it by. It's the same thing. He got eight weeks of self-ego-stroking wins on television, including a chance to say fuck you to CM Punk, who he's been undermining behind the scenes constantly, and then he drops it where the fewest people will see it. And then I bet you there will be no rematch on TV where he puts Claudio over in front of God and everybody. What do you think? I think Chris Jericho is the master manipulator of, of AEW since AEW's existence. Since its very beginning, Chris Jericho yep. has outplayed everyone. And again, if you're a Chris Jericho fan, what I'm saying isn't a negative thing. He's just, he's outplayed everyone. He's got Tony wrapped around his finger. You should hear about this new contract he's got. It's the most ridiculous thing in wrestling history that you only get if you have the owner wrapped around your finger. Yeah, remember when they announced it was going to be for 10 years? I, well, how? what's Chris going to be doing in the ring when he's 62 years old? Getting $9 million is what he'll be doing. But Chris Jericho's work has been horrible. And Tony lets him do everything he wants. And he's let him kill too many shows. 
He's let him kill too many programs. Eddie Kingston was one of the hottest things in the company, and then he wasn't. MJF, you want to talk about, you always say he's a generational talent. He overcame a year of Jericho. A year. A year of the worst booking ever. <laughs> which, which he then turned around and talked about afterwards. Yeah. I got through that when he was listing all of his grievances about how everybody had taken his spotlight away. That's the thing I don't get. At this point in time, just admit it. Yeah, I didn't like punk. And me and Tony thought the cabana thing would be a good idea. I was talking to Tony. We decided to do it. I don't like punk. That's all you got to say instead of, oh, no, it's just he hasn't been on TV and he had a rough year and <laughs> and no one was clamoring for him. I mean, just keep going if you're going to list the reasons why he was on that show all of a sudden. Well, and, and then what's been preventing him from being on the show since then because it it wouldn't be funny anymore well there it is once again the wrestling genius himself chris jericho the many comments thoughts opinions and various other missteps that we've talked about here on the show but jim before we wrap things up any final comments about chris jericho and this omnibus well you know when i think of this omnibus on the mind of chris jericho i'm just I'm reminded of the immortal words of Bullet Bob Armstrong. This is like a case of mind over matter. I don't mind, and he don't matter. Well, there it is. I couldn't have said it any better myself. And there it is with the omnibus, the mind of Chris Jericho. Of course, there'll be more omnibuses this season in the regular podcast feed, as well as on the official Jim Cornette YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search for Jim Cornette. It'll come right up. Check out the clips, the full episodes, and of course, the Omnibus Collections, all with the very popular Travis Eckel artwork, the official Jim Cornette YouTube channel. But Jim, that's it for this Omnibus. We'll catch up again with everyone on the drive through and the experience, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. For Jim Cornette, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho! Well, it's Jim Cornette's drive through Yes, it's Jim Cornette's drive through Please shut up and listen while Corny is shooting. Yes, while Corny is shooting on Big Fuck and Putin and those outlaw macho fucks. Joey Ryan, the young bucks, the rednecks and dumb fucks, and them dork order bomb fucks. And then there's Jelly Janella and Santino Marella, the boogeyman, the boogeyman, the boogeyman. Corny's drive through. Corny's drive through. Through. Well, it's all elite wrestling. Tony Khan is investing his billions of dollars in some dumb cosplay wrestlers. Yeah, they think they are wrestlers in video games just like Kenny Omega. To the pro wrestling for which he stands. No blow up dolls, dick spots, or dance routines with blood, sellouts, and shoot angles for all. And have you heard about Riho? She weighs 45 kilos and she's their champion. She's a Japanese schoolgirl. All the Japanese schoolgirls like Kenny Omega love to play with his Sega. 
Yeah, they play with this Sega. You need to sue the guy for you, Steven, Pedro, everybody. Tony's drive-thru. Tony's drive-thru. Tony's drive-thru. Tony's drive-thru. And now here are your hosts, Jim Cornette and the great Brian Lass. <laughs>